0: Yeah, a weird quirk of his is he'll, like, chew gum and then just swallow it like it's food or candy. Yeah, I'm going to die. Did
1: you swallow the gum you were chewing earlier?
0: Yes. Yes, he Nicholas, did.
1: it's going to be like that scene in WandaVision.
0: <laughs>
2: all your gears are going to get clogged up.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> of all the things you could have said... <laughs> Nicholas, you're gonna it's gonna form a mast and it's gonna mess you up internally. You're gonna have gastrointestinal problems for the rest of your life. No, it's gonna be like that scene in WandaVision. Hey there.
0: I'm Jordan. And I'm Nick. We're just two regular guys who love talking about film. And now we'd like to talk to you we decided to break down our discussions into three parts because everyone loves a gimmick. We discuss our expectations for a film before we watch it. That's take one. We give our immediate thoughts following the film. That's take two. And finally, we research the film at length to prepare for an informed
2: and in-depth discussion. And that's take three. So if you love film even half as much as we do, join in on the conversation. This is take three, a movie
0: podcast. Take one. So one of my good friends at the escape room told me about this snack that her mom used to make her when she was younger. And she shared it with like the rest of the team one day. And she said her mom would get, she would slice her up apples and she'd put peanut butter on the apples. And then she would sprinkle chocolate sprinkles on the peanut butter. And I was like, Ooh, that sounds genius. And that's what I'm eating. It's my little snack for tonight. Oh,
2: you're straight up eating it. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know if you can see it. That was a reveal for me too, guys, because he just pulled it up into the frame. It's very good. You got
0: texture. You got peanut butter. You got like a hint of chocolate. It cures your ED. It raises your credit score. It's just a win all around. It's really good. (laughs) I've never been a big peanut butter guy. Well, well. Then you're just wrong. What your favorite candy is Reese's peanut butter cups.
2: Yeah, peanut butter by itself in my mouth, the consistency of it, like makes me. Ugh. I have the perfect segue. Oh,
0: maybe it's not perfect. I was gonna say, how do you feel about peanut butter with Captain Crunch and pixie sticks? But I'm not certain that it's peanut butter in the movie. I think it might be mayonnaise. Yeah, because she throws she throws the bologna or the salami or whatever, and it hits the
2: statue. Do you understand the reference I'm trying to make right now? I mean, I'm guessing it's about Breakfast Club, right? Yeah. Um, okay, so I don't really remember that that well. Oh my
0: goodness! I think it's Allison. Maybe maybe this is Take Two territory, but uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty positive she puts Captain Crunch and Pixie sticks on her sandwich. <laughs> I'm almost positive. Sounds delicious. (laughs) Yeah, it's adventurous.
2: So yes, we're doing Breakfast Club, or The Breakfast Club. I guess it's The, yeah, it's The Breakfast Club. I'm literally (laughs) looking at the IMDb page right now. It's (laughs) The Breakfast Club. This movie is pretty iconic. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one of those 1980s John Hughes movies that sort of defined that decade when it comes to cinema. I, to be honest with you, don't remember how I felt about the movie (laughs) I honestly don't, and I. (laughs) there's definitely redeeming qualities that I remember, so this is a weird take one where I don't really know how I feel about the movie. I guess we're going to (laughs) see. I don't remember.
0: I know I remember it at least fondly. I don't remember, like, loving it. I don't remember, like, it being, like, my favorite movie, but I do recall it fondly, and I... I've wanted to do this for an episode for a very long time because it is a classic. Yes, he has. I'm sure there's a lot of research out there. I've heard a lot of theories that like like it, none of it's real and we can get into that later, but I feel like there's a lot to research here. It's so, a movie,
2: so you are correct. None of it is real. Oh my god. That theory is not a theory, that is a fact.
0: It's but like I'll talk about it later. This is take 3 spoilers, but we'll we'll I'll dive into into the reality of this movie later, but uh, I, we haven't mentioned who's joining us though. Have we?
2: No, I didn't figure Let's just do it without her. Oh, okay, cool. We're not going to have a guest this episode. That's fine. That would break her heart. That makes me really sad, actually. (laughs) We were like, hey, Kayleen, sorry we did the episode without you.
0: (laughs) What if we just just sent her all three takes and be like, yeah, what do you think? We wanted your approval. (laughs) That would be so mean. Oh, I don't like thinking about that at all. Oh, Oh. she would
2: be okay. But no, we are, of course, bringing our lovely aunt, one-third of the Take Three – one-third of the We Explain Movies podcast – Kayleen. the last third, but not the least third. Yeah, she's only last because she was busy doing other podcasts. Yes, and I think she's going to be last. Where? Um, oh shit! But, yeah,
0: <laughs> we've had to move around some things. That might change, but
2: we're we're currently uh, recording this and Kimmy's episode at the same time. So whichever one we finish first is the one you'll hear. <laughs> so this might be the second or third episode of this little series that we're doing. Yes. Of We Explain Movies Madness. <laughs> but yeah, we told Kayleen she could pick any movie. And there were a couple of movies that she kicked around. We landed on this one. And apparently she's very fond of it in many ways. And she's very excited to watch the film as well. I'm at least interested. I don't know. I don't remember if I liked this or not. <laughs> I think I remember thinking that they were all being like extra dramatic about just being in detention. Like I got detention a lot in high school. Like what is the deal? (laughs) I think it has a lot more to do with like,
0: I don't know if I'm using this word right, but the archetypes or like the, the niches of your typical high school, like there's the princess and there's the jock and there's the nerd and the bully and it's taking all of those and if I remember correctly,
2: it's kind of like like exploring each one of those sections, and it's more of a commentary about how adults would see us as those archetypes, but that were much more layered. And yeah. because like suddenly the criminal has been through a whole lot, and <laughs> like well, they've all really been through a whole lot, and they've got I oh my god, I remember the criminal got cigarettes for Christmas. <laughs> he has a whole
0: monologue about that, doesn't he? Yeah. Are you you're about to bring up Family Guy, aren't you?
2: No, I feel like
0: this really that's surprising. Is that me. in a
2: Family Guy? It has to be, I'm sure it is. has to be that or some other cartoon. Yeah, Family Guy has everything in it. I remember them dancing. Yes, yes. I remember they do something where they have to like sneak out of the room. As far as like the through line of this movie, um, other than them just being in detention for however many hours. I don't really remember what actually happens, but apparently it's something epic because I certainly remember the last shot and that seems like um <laughs> Even if you haven't seen this movie, you know of the last yeah, shot of this movie. <laughs> like the last shot it seems like he's walking away from an action movie or something. So <laughs> I don't know. I mean, obviously this movie has influenced a ton of other films and a ton of people. I mean, this is a big coming of age movie, but I don't want to say stand the test of time because there are certain things about it that I know haven't aged well. Kayleen's a very busy lady, and we are really thankful that she took time out of her busy schedule of freeing zoo animals to come visit <laughs> our podcast and do a take two and a take three with us. I really agree. And that's volunteer.
0: Say, like, she doesn't get paid for that. That's all volunteer. It's it's
2: it's more like it's her purpose in life is freeing (laughs) okay zoo animals. (laughs) Why have we given all three of these girls
0: occupations? Huh. I'm sorry. I guess revealing their occupations because they're
2: totally true and not at all false. But well, okay, so they're private, but Courtney didn't complain. And I bet you Kimmy won't. And
0: <laughs> about Courtney's uh, karate teaching and Kimmy's
2: uh, what was it? Oh, it was not a scoop instructor. Being a sea captain. Yeah, sea captain. She's yeah, a sea captain yeah. with a peg leg. <laughs> You've never seen uh, Kimmy's legs before, have you? I have not. I have not seen Kimmy's legs. No, you have not on the on the podcast because she's just a voice, but she's got a peg <laughs> leg and a parrot.
0: That's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah. I wish my life was as interesting as these ladies' lives. God,
2: me too. Jesus. As I eat my apples with peanut butter and chocolate sprinkles. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Kayleen is coming soon, but do you have anything else that you want to say before we watch this movie? Um. No. Oh my god, I cannot believe Kimmy and Courtney did that. That is crazy. Yeah, right? Holy shit.
1: Isn't that dark?
2: Yeah. (laughs) What we said go along with it, Jordan. Insane. Just
0: absolutely baffled. (laughs) Yeah, crazy, crazy I was worried
1: we were about to dive into like a full improv game, and to be (laughs) honest, that is the worst part of my acting career.
2: (laughs) Hi, welcome back to take three, but we're in take two, and we are with...
1: Kayleen!
2: Oh, I forgot your name. Cool. Okay, Kayleen, good. I just (laughs) want to make sure.
1: Auntie Kay.
2: Kayleen is our wonderful auntie, and we all watched what turned out to be a bitchin' movie...
1: Mm-hmm. hell yeah, what did you guys say before you watched it? I heard I heard a, the word on the street is that you were worried.
2: yes. <laughs> I think Nick
0: was the most worried. I had seen this movie maybe like once or twice years and years ago. Oh, that's it. Yeah, I didn't really remember how I felt about it. I don't remember hating it but I I, I think I mentioned that I didn't uh, come away from it like loving it or anything. Mm. This viewing for sure. I considered buying it last night. Cause so I was like, I would watch ah,
1: this again. This is yes. so
2: fantastic. It's a great
3: movie.
1: I love that.
2: For me, I remember positive things about it. I remember things that I really liked, but I don't even think I really said this in take one, but I, because guess I didn't want to be, I didn't want to like rain on the parade, but, uh, <laughs> I think I remember being bored a lot mm. and I was not bored at all because I was really listening to their conversations this time. Yep. And, yeah. uh, I mean, this movie is a lot of conversation. The actions that they do are almost like inconsequential to the dynamic that they form.
1: Yeah. It's like all dialogue driven. Mm-hmm. Yep. When do you think was the last time you watched this? Like how old do you think you were?
2: I was probably 20, 20, probably. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. I would say like high
0: school for me. Probably like wow. late high school. Yeah.
1: Okay. I was going to say yeah. I, I read a bunch of reviews on Letterboxd just because I was – I just look for funny ones mostly. <laughs> and, um, I, I found like a couple where people were like, oh, the last time I saw this I was in high school and I was like, boo, snooze fest. And then they watched it now and they were like, oh, what?
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean I was trying to look at this – not necessarily analytically, but I was really trying to pay attention because I knew we would be talking mm-hmm. about it. And damn. I mean, it, it really has a lot of meat to chew on. I Like mm-hmm. every single one of those characters has their own story that's not really explicitly stated
3: mm-hmm.
2: all the time. Like it's more about how they interact with each other. Okay, so something that really jumped out at me was this theme of truth. How several times in the movie they asked – each other, like, do you want to hear the truth? Mm. Maybe that's like a comment on how at that age, a lot of what these individuals are going through is sort of like people lying to each other just to advance themselves or just to survive in high school. A lot of times, I mean, think about like when you guys were in high school, how many times did you kind of maybe not say how you felt?
1: Or just like the idea of omitting the truth too. Like they don't, they don't want to say certain things.
2: Exactly. The fact that Claire, when she's honest with Brian, she's like, we probably aren't going mm-hmm. to be friends after this, even though we had this situation ship in detention. Yeah. And everything seemed like it was going to last forever for Brian. I think probably just because he'd never had those sort of relationships. Yeah. Like you can tell through his reaction to gaining these new friends that he probably doesn't have many friends.
1: Right.
2: I think maybe somebody a little bit more self-aware would realize like, okay, this is probably not going to last, which I think is great because they they call Claire a bitch and conceited and all of this stuff. But I really think that she's right in a lot of this and she's yeah. one of the ones that's more honest. Like her and I think Bender are the ones that are being the most honest in this film.
1: Yeah. I, I was going to say, I feel like, Emilio Estevez, um, Andrew, like his character is almost in the middle, where he is kind of like playing both sides. And sometimes it seems like he's fully on Claire's side. And sometimes he's like, you're a bitch. (laughs) And like how you said about Brian not really having any friends, like Allison says the same thing where it's like, I'm going to be a bitch right now saying this. But to be honest, the reason why she and Brian would have no problem saying hi to them in school and why they can honestly say that they would still be their friend is because they both kind of admitted to not having any friends.
2: Yes, absolutely. And there is clearly, like we know this because we've gone through high school, there is a hierarchy in high school and it seems as if the jocks and the cheerleaders and the homecoming queens regardless of how big your school is, they're always on top. And then as it trickles down, the people that are at the bottom of that totem pole get left in the dust. And what I really appreciate about this movie is that it just gave us a microcosm of high school life with just five people. Mm -hmm. I, I don't like the fact that they're reduced to a brain and a jock and a you know what I mean? But This movie obviously says that there's so much more, like I understand that part, but it's actually a positive that going in, that's how you see them, because Mm -hmm. it really sort of represents how high school is played out. You have your beauty queens, and you have your crazy people, and you have your, you know, the people that always get in trouble.
1: Yeah, I was kind of like how you were saying you tried to go into this a little bit analytically like you know i was trying to enjoy it but i just like it so much and was noticing so many things that i took like way too many notes i'm never going to talk about them all (laughs) but sometimes sometimes it would just be like a line i thought was funny um but one of the first things i noticed that i really like about a lot of the movies i consider my favorite movies is that in the very beginning you see the script working in a functional way where like as everyone's being dropped off, they're having these really realistic conversations with their parents that establish who that person is and like what we're supposed to know about them without it seeming like, oh, exposition dump. It's like, yeah, your parent would be like, you're going to do that again? Like You don't want to lose your scholarship or whatever.
0: Totally. I do just want to take a moment to point out how much uh, or how into this you seem, Nick, because not to say that the other... Uh, two episodes of the other girls were like not good or you weren't interested. It's just I think with the last one was uh, Schenectady or Schenectady. No, Synecdoche, New York. I think we were just so baffled and confused that you were just kind of like, (laughs) let Kimmy
2: take the reins. But you're like you're into this and I love it. Um, it. With Silly Putty, New York, I (laughs) was yeah baffled. Like I just didn't understand it at all. You may or may not have heard that episode already. I don't know what order this is going to go in. We haven't decided yet. However, <laughs> with Promising Young Woman, I loved Promising Young Woman, and I knew I did. I think I'm just surprised mm. that I am so mm. excited about this movie.
0: It's a good thing. No, it's certainly a good thing. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you props here by saying this is it's, it's cool. He's attacking to see me, you. Kayleen. Get him.
1: decided. I'm not. Get him. I'm
2: not at all. Get him. <laughs>
1: I just show up behind him.
2: <laughs> you were talking about in the text, like, oh, I'll hand you a drink. I'm like, yeah. What? Yeah. what the fuck? Where are you, Kaylee?
1: <laughs> I like to keep you on your toes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, my goodness. That is funny. Speaking uh, of drinks, what are we all drinking?
1: I have rum and Dr. Pepper in a little bear glass.
2: A little bear glass? It's adorable.
1: A little bear glass. Aw, that's cute. Audience, I wish you could see it. Too bad. Yeah,
2: you guys are missing (laughs) out. Suckers. I thought it was a bear in her hand, but it's actually a glass she's drinking from. It was nuts. (laughs) Pandemonium over here. And then here for the most basic white bitch, Jordan, what are you drinking?
0: Ooh. Actually, so I mentioned that all I had in my fridge was White Claw, (laughs) which is true. I do have White Claw in my fridge, but I also found... And this is from like a year ago. Perhaps PBR. <laughs> but it's not just PBR. It's PBR Hard Coffee. So ah. it's like a coffee drink. I just threw up in my mouth. It no, it's actually it tastes kind, it <laughs> almost tastes like like mocha-y, like it's chocolatey. It's really good. But it's been in my fridge for a year and it's like maybe. Time has done something to it. I'm not the most thrilled with it, so maybe I'll get a White Claw later, but that's what I'm drinking right Mm. now. What are you drinking, Nick?
2: I had a margarita. I don't think that's any surprise to either of you. Not a surprise, no. (laughs) I don't like to mix it all. I just get the pre-mixed bottles, Mm. but I have 15 of them, and they're all different flavors, and they're all like different levels of being drunk. I see. Yeah. So I just picked one, and I was like, okay. We're blending us of a frozen marg.
1: I recently um, acquired a bar cart. And so now we have like a fully stocked bar cart. And we just, if we're out of something, we're like, we better go get it. And so I feel like a real adult.
2: That's awesome. <laughs> that's really cool.
1: I'll just send you a picture. It looks really cute.
0: Yeah, please do send us a pic. That sounds awesome. When you find a place to
2: store your alcohol, it, it means something.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, my phone went off. I'm sorry. Typical, I know. Typical. I know I ruined the recording, but I'm not going to edit this out.
1: <laughs> Good. Shame yourself.
0: Yes. It's not going to work. It's not like he's going to like, oh, man, For the next time we record, I'm going to turn
2: my phone off. That's not happening. It's not going to happen. Nope. it doesn't. I'm going to find a way to edit it in and be like, Jordan, turn your phone off. That's how it's going to play out. Jeez. I'm going to cut this and be like. Jordan, come on. (laughs) Kayleen, can you be like, come on, Jordan? Give me that sound bite.
1: I will not betray my friend Jordan. Thank
2: you. Jordan! I mean, Kayleen!
1: (laughs) Nick, just do an impression of me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I'm actually terrible at impressions, but somebody who is good at impressions is Jordan
3: oh that is
2: not true and now he probably hates me for putting him on the spot yes you can do a lot of impressions i cannot do impressions he, he's not going to do any of them no he can do impressions just no but thing. i'm
0: also curious as to who you think i can do a good impression of
2: um oh man i forget okay hold on liar just straight dead up, air <laughs> nothing nothing like dead air um you can do impressions okay You've done several, and I think they were funny. Like that crazy girl with the red lipstick on. What is her name?
0: Anyone can do Miranda sings. Do you know who Miranda sings is, Kayleen?
1: Oh yes, I do. Yeah. yeah. I saw a video of her, uh, like transforming into herself on Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy and Fallon. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. But besides that, I have no interest in Miranda sings. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I get it. I get it. She's a little much. She's a little much. A little bit. A little much. All right, so somebody else say something about The Breakfast Club. Oh, I found out why it's called The Breakfast Club. I just Googled it because I was like, <laughs> why the hell is this called The Breakfast Club? They don't say it. Yeah. I mean, they say it, but like they don't explain it. Because, okay, do you want to hear that?
1: Yeah, well, I, I looked it up as well. But yeah, tell Jordan.
2: <laughs> no, you, you say no, it you say you'll it. say it better. I'll fuck it up. No, I'll fuck it up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you said it. Um, I was setting you up. Okay, so I looked it up, and apparently John Hughes had a friend who – his friend's high school, they just referred to Saturday Detention as the Breakfast Club because you, like, have to go in at breakfast time or something. And he was like, that's a cool name. I'm going to steal it.
2: Perfect. (laughs) I like it. Oh, and I found – okay, so in take one, we talk about a Family Guy clip that Jordan remembered, (laughs) and I didn't actually – and I found it. It's all of the breakfast cereal mascots uh-huh. doing the uh like, what did you get for Christmas? I got like a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> and- oh really? <laughs> yeah. I mean it, it doesn't it doesn't sound funny and it really isn't that funny, but
1: I bet Dakota would know about it. He's seen like most of Family Guy, I would say. I I have a very limited knowledge.
0: That's me. Get to it. <laughs> That's me as well. Like
1: I like it, but I've never, I've never like put it on. It's always if someone else is watching it. I gotcha. You know, you feel you can me? Go through
2: all of the OC <laughs>
1: <laughs> in like watch a week, all
2: nineteen seasons of <laughs> Family Guy. Oh my God! Okay, so we were watching the OC at the same time. Like Kayleen <laughs> said, oh, you should watch it again, and I started watching it and. I think I was like at the end of season one and you're like, oh, I'm in season three. Like, oh, my God. Well, I'm done now, you-
1: Nicholas.
2: <laughs> yeah, I um, I kind of like stopped when you finished. I was like, well, damn. I'm so
1: <laughs> I, I'm so upset.
2: <laughs> it's like when you're running a race and somebody wins and you're just like, eh, I'm going to lunch. <laughs> and you just like get out of the race. You don't cross the finish line. That's me.
1: That, you've done this.
2: Yeah, several times. (laughs)
1: Uh, I wish I could have done that in PE. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, someone else finished first. I'm going to stop.
2: Oh, well. You're not going to believe this, but I used to be actually a really fast runner. I believe it. I wasn't like a pro athlete or anything like that, but I could run fast. Now I can't. I'm not that fast (laughs) of a runner, but I, I used to be able to. I
1: do feel like the guys at my school, most of them were like running a lot faster than we were. And I I was just like, I feel like a lot of guys were like six minute miles. No problem. That was, ne- oh that was never me.
2: <laughs> so I would like collapse and uh, my <laughs> PE teacher would feel bad for me. And he's like, okay, Nick, 10 <laughs> minutes. Let's go.
1: <laughs> go
2: get a drink. <laughs> no, my PE teacher uh, told me, he's like, I know you try your best. I know you have asthma. And I'm like, Thinking to my head, I don't have asthma. Oh, I don't what? Know why you think I have <laughs> asthma? But I am certainly not going to tell you I don't have <laughs> asthma.
1: You're like, and to yeah. To this day, he
2: probably, yeah, he would probably think I have asthma. He
1: still talks about the boy with asthma. I never
2: told him anything to the contrary.
1: Um. Yeah, Jordan, how did you feel about it?
2: Um.
0: About the movie or about the mile that we have to run About into, you
1: know, asthma.
0: <laughs> I actually have it. And as someone with <laughs> asthma, I take offense to this this discussion. No, I'm just kidding. You have asthma? I do have asthma. It flares up sometimes. Where
2: is your inhaler?
0: It's I have it. It's like in my gym bag in my bathroom and I don't like I I only flare up when I'm doing a lot of uh physical activity, which is
2: uh I gotta say, yeah. Has not like we've been. known each other for five years and I don't I don't know that I've seen you do much physical activities. That's probably why. (laughs)
3: Um. (laughs)
2: Haven't had
0: a flare-up in a long time. No. Uh, (laughs) Okay. No. Rewatching this movie again with uh, an analytical lens, I think helps a lot. I think Mm. we discussed this in take one, where uh, we were trying to figure out like what it was about. We were trying to remember what it was about, and I explained that it's sort of—I don't know if I use this word right—but we used archetypes. Like we have these archetypes Mm. of of, totally. um, niches of the school. They're sort of like the, the common tropes of high school and it's sort of like how they interact with each other and how they can learn from each other. And I realized upon rewatching that it's so much more than just them interacting with each other. And it's more about them versus like the man being Mm. like their principal, their teachers, their parents
1: and right. I realized, parents.
0: yeah, yeah. And I realized this because anytime, like the whole time, pretty much everyone is sort of against Bender. They think he's just this big asshole. He's just a dick mm-hmm. until the principal comes in and is like, you know, what is Bender doing and where is Bender? And they're all like, mm, I don't know. They, they all play dumb right. and they all like. Even throughout their differences, they're going to support each other because they're all up against... Snitches
2: get stitches. <laughs> <they're> all, <laughs> I know, snitch.
0: They're all up against the same enemy. And I think right. that has a lot of merit to it. I, I really like that about the film. I think it's a genius way to go about showing uh, high schoolers at that age.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and also adults. I really like the scene where he was talking with Carl and he's like, why did you get oh, into this profession and yeah. stuff?
1: and
2: Oh yeah! Um, like Carl is actually a really oh, good yeah. Carl's really,
1: the MVP. Like
2: I, Absolutely, I forgot about him completely.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: but uh, is it Vernon, Principal Vernon?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: His scene where he was like, whenever you grow up and you find, or whatever, I'm going to be there and I'm going to kick the shit out of you. To get an honest response from somebody who is like driven crazy by a kid that is disruptive and problematic, Mm. to get like how they actually feel in a confrontation between the two was really fascinating. Mm -hmm. Because I'm sure that there are definitely people that feel that way but just never say or or I've never heard them say it but they don't ever get to say it you know because you can't say that to a kid but he's like who's going to believe you that was really powerful to me
1: and I really like something I like about that scene too is it's kind of the first time we see Bender looking scared like you see that he's still even though he's played by like a 25 year old he's still like a little (laughs) boy you know (laughs) like he he looks like a child and I like that there's a lot of these moments where you see No matter how tough he acts, like he's still vulnerable and he has a very traumatic childhood that has made him hide that, you know? Mm -hmm.
2: Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I'm going to
0: be selfish and bring up my favorite show, uh, The OA. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh Uh, There's a scene in The OA where the main character is talking to a teacher pretending to be a problem student's mother. Uh, and she's talking about, or the teacher, I guess, is talking about all of the bad behavior that this, this student has been doing. And it reminds me of this movie because the fake mom, the main character was kind of like, well, you can go ahead and you can, you know, put all of your energy into the kids that are, that are straight A students and are getting scholarships and stuff, but you really, you're going to scold and not pay attention and, and lead the people who, the, the students who actually need it. And I felt like that was sort of, bender's position yeah especially when it came to the principal it's like
1: mm-hmm.
0: like what do you like why are you doing this job like what is this for if not to right. you know help people obviously he doesn't have a great home life so it's yeah. those kinds of students who need the most help and um I, I don't know that kind of uh dynamic what a great
2: point to bring up that's Thanks. good you yeah. all should watch the OA, <laughs> it's really really good claps <laughs> for jordan yay that's- Although, Kayleen's claps, you won't be able to hear.
1: Oh, oh my goodness.
2: <laughs> oh, my God. She clapped like four times, and I was like, Kayleen, you are not showing up on my waveform.
1: They were loud. <laughs> You're a liar. <laughs> my claps are offended.
2: Oh, okay. Can I tell you all something? Can I tell you guys something that's crazy to me? No. <laughs> Please.
1: <laughs> yes. Please.
2: Okay. So, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but I did and I was like, okay, let me write these down. So, I paused it. Mm. The credits are really strange (laughs) because they start off with Emilio Estevez, who's Andrew. And I'm, like, I know him from, like, Mighty Ducks and stuff. I don't know why he was, like, at the beginning. I don't know what other movie he's in. I can't think Okay, wait.
1: Hold on. Hold on. I'm not going to say it right now, but I would like to call dibs on discussing the Brat Pack because I... Watched a little featurette and learned a bunch of stuff about Emilio Estevez. So I'm going to bring it up and take three.
2: Would, I would love that. That's <laughs> awesome. You definitely call dibs on it because I have no idea what it is.
1: Awesome. Yeah. So he's – I get I get why he is first.
2: Okay. Okay. Cool. And then instead of like having all the kids first, it goes to Principal Vernon.
1: Ah, Paul Gleason. Paul Gleason.
2: Yeah. And then Anthony Michael Hall. Who, like, I know he's... Which one is he in? Jesus. Edward
1: Scissorhands.
2: It's one of the other John Hughes movies. Did it come oh, after Oh, Sixteen this? Candles. Yeah, Sixteen <laughs> Candles. Did it come after this or before this?
1: Uh, I don't know.
2: Okay, take three. <laughs> uh, regardless, um, he actually grew up to be... I mean, he's cute in this movie, but he actually grew up to be a daddy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Then, I see his importance, but I still think it's a weird position. Uh, Carl the Janitor is next. (laughs) That is weird. John Caplios. Yeah. And then Judd Nelson. Then Molly Ringwald. Then Ali Sheedy. In my opinion, Judd Nelson is the star of this movie. Yeah. He's the one that seems to get the most lines. He's the one that you really kind of see him outside of the group with interacting with the principal. Hold
0: on. You got to... You have to give me students' names. I'm not good at the Bender. actors' names yet.
2: Bender, Bender. okay, gotcha. Yeah, I would yeah, agree. So Judd Nelson is Bender. Molly Ringwald is Claire. Mm-hmm. Ali Sheedy is... Allison.
1: Allison. Yeah, <laughs> Her yeah, own yeah. name. Yeah, which was, is
2: great. <laughs> uh, Anthony Michael Hall is Brian, and Emilio Estevez is Andrew. Okay. Got it. I won't remember that, so yeah. still, use the, still use the names. <laughs> <like>. Okay.
1: <laughs> That's a really strange order.
2: Like, I would be like... The Breakfast Club and then list all of them and then just have the principal and the janitor and then uh, all the rest of the credits were like Brian's mother or I don't know, like wait, wait, wait. parents. Wait, wait, wait. Was
1: it – I'm thinking of it in my head. It might have been alphabetical by last name.
2: Oh, shit. G.H. <laughs> K-N oh my god it's alphabetical by last name look at you that's why she's here yes that's why she's here I'm useful god bless you you and your little bear glass Uh,
1: it was the bear he actually told me
2: whispered it Mm -hmm. gotta love a bear can I
0: bring up a controversial uh, statement
1: Controversial statement?
0: Yeah, I. Yeah. Yes, you can. I've not seen Molly Ringwald in a lot. The mm-hmm. first thing I think I ever saw her in was this, and then just recently because The Stand came out, I was curious and watched the original adaptation. Oh. She was not good in that, and like wasn't watching...
1: someone else from The Breakfast Club in that or no? Uh,
0: maybe I'm not sure.
1: Okay.
0: You might be right. I'm not sure though. I really didn't. I, I only watched like. Maybe an hour of the six hours that are there, but... uh uh-huh. But I think she might be my least favorite actress of the bunch. I don't think that oh, she... Really? Yeah, I'm not a fan of her acting, I realize. Like, I don't know. She,
2: I mean, she was like John Hughes's. and
0: I, I realize I mean. that, like, I know she's in, like, <laughs> 16 Candles, which I haven't seen, but... Uh, it surprised me. It caught me off guard. I think like of the of the five, I think she was my least favorite.
1: I don't I don't think she's not talented. But I do think there's a lot about that character that makes it hard to get behind. And so I feel like and I maybe she even has more of like difficult writing to try to tackle sometimes. You know what I mean? Like she doesn't really have any funny lines, which is unfortunate. Whereas I feel like Everybody else, except maybe Andrew, has a lot of comedy, so that's kind of tough.
2: That's a good point. Yeah, like it, if if she says something, it's like you're laughing at her versus laughing with her,
1: right? Yeah, you're like, stop being annoying. She's
2: like constantly defending herself. I do realize that. You're right. Yeah. I, I you're don't right. know. I actually really like her. I okay, so I've seen Sixteen Candles and Pretty and Pink, and I kind of like don't remember her performance in either of those movies being anything spectacular. But Mm. I really like the character of Claire just because I think she's like very misunderstood. And Mm -hmm. obviously she has it easier than some of these other people. But it doesn't mean that she's not a character with her own story, you know. For each of these characters, they have this like backstory that I think you're supposed to get like a taste of. For her, like you said, she's trying to defend herself. She knows how this looks. Like she knows how bad Mm. everything looks. But she's like, I just got to play into it. Like to survive in this school, Yeah, that's what's going to happen. She seems to be one of the more self-aware ones again. And I don't know. I appreciated that.
1: Yeah. And you know what's shitty too is it's like it didn't really necessarily even bother me, but it just kind of got me thinking when he's kind of making fun of her earrings and saying like, oh, did daddy get those for you as a Christmas present? It just kind of is upsetting because it's like – she can't control exactly the fact that her parents have money, and that doesn't mean she's not allowed to complain about having shitty parents, yeah, and he's just like belittling her feelings because he's like, "You get earrings for Christmas. It's just kind of sad it's
2: that it's that uh that idea that like because there are other people with issues that may be more dire than yours, that you don't right. get to complain about your yours issues. Don't everyone exactly. has their own problems and it affects them in a different way than it affects mm-hmm. you. So, like, sometimes maybe there's – it's it's better to maybe not bring it up if somebody is going through something <laughs> crazy. and, But yeah, at that point, it's like uh, Bender brought it up. Like, she wasn't, like, pointing out, oh, look at my nice earrings. Right. Like, I don't know. I, I, Yeah, I didn't like that. Yeah.
0: I do think that's a great aspect to the movie, though, because I think it, it – like perspective does matter here. and right. I, I think that
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know, obviously, Bender does not have the life that she has, and uh, I can understand maybe being offended by some of her complaints. But again, like you said, she wasn't really complaining. It really was Bender projecting his own his own feelings onto her. Uh, I, this movie's just like it's it's really it's genius. It's really, really <laughs> a smart movie. I love that there really was no. I love that we didn't get an after. I love that we didn't get like the next day and suddenly they're all friends. Like We have no idea how how their future high school experience has been affected by this. Mm
1: -hmm. This is kind of jumping ahead because it would be talking about the end of the movie, but I just wanted to say that that is something that I feel like about this movie is so important is that they don't show us what happens. Yeah. And I think that's why I was like, cause I, I mean, I texted you guys this. I was like, hi, I'm crying <laughs> at the end of the movie because to me, it captured this feeling of like John throwing his fist in the air, especially to that song where the lyrics are kind of mimicking what he might be feeling. It's very like, it doesn't really matter what happens after this because it's more about, what happened today, and how yeah. that's never going to happen again, regardless of if they do or don't stay friends. Like, this situation will never happen again. Next Saturday, Bender will be in there. They won't, and that's yeah. just, like, it's a once, a one-time thing, Yeah, and it kind of, like, made me think, too, about what it feels like to wrap a play, where you, like, have this cast and crew of people that you get so used to working with and seeing every day, and then when the play closes, it's like you can't try to hold on to it, it's over. And you're not gonna ever have that group again, but you're happy for what happened. Mm-hmm. And so I just felt like I don't know, this really visceral emotion of him just being like, that was that was an experience that I'm acknowledging and like you know. And then he throws his fist in the air. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Are you crying right now, Kaylee? I'm gonna cry. Teary eyes?
3: <laughs>
0: that
2: is really special. Yeah. I mean, John Hughes wrote an incredible script. I gotta give him props. I really, really like his script. Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, I asked I asked Nick this in take one. I'm curious to know your answer to this, Kailyn. Uh, have you seen Pretty in Pink or um, 16 Candles?
1: I've seen 16 Candles. I haven't seen Pretty in Pink.
0: What are your thoughts on just like briefly? On... You've gotta watch Pretty in Pink. Oh, <laughs> me? I everybody. Have oh, oh, you... you no, sorry, go on, go on. Have you seen up, <laughs> them
1: both, Jordan?
0: I've not seen either.
1: Oh, not either. Okay. Um, 16 Candles, I don't know if it's that it was never... Like Breakfast Club, I feel like I've been watching on and off for years, so it's just kind mm-hmm. of like always been in my vision. Whereas 16 Candles, I've maybe seen twice, and both times I was like, okay, fine. But also, I mean, which I feel like we're going to have to talk about it for this movie too, but... <laughs> Uh, blaring, very difficult to get over, especially now in 2021, in 16 Candles, there is like a definite rape yeah. that mm. they try to play off as a joke. And so it's like having that be a movie I wasn't ever attached to. It just kind of like really sours it for me. And uh, Pretty in Pink, I just don't really know anything about. So it's not that I'm opposed (laughs) to it. I just have never seen it.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I was not aware of that scene.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Whereas like in The Breakfast Club, the thing that I was going to say is just that, you know, there's that scene where he puts his head between her legs, which is very not okay. And I definitely feel like it was written to be like, that's just a a boy being silly. And it's like, it is not funny. (laughs) Uh, and I really wish that wasn't in it because it upsets me every time, but at least it's not as bad as 16 Candles.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I did
0: appreciate it. I don't know if you guys saw this too, but there was like the disclaimer at the beginning, not that that, like, excuses there any was a of the disclaimer? stuff that happened. Yeah, I got one. It said that there is, like, oh. language and scenes and stuff that are not reflective of, like, this generation or something. Oh.
1: Mine was, was that, did you, like, rent it on Amazon or something?
0: So I did what Nick did, and you can get it for free if you sign up for the... Seven day trial of what is it AMC Plus? I think.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So Mm. um,
2: I was looking through that like to see if there's anything else I wanted to watch, and it was nothing. Really?
1: (laughs)
3: Yeah.
2: (laughs) It's like okay,
0: I'll cancel you. It's like all Walking Dead. That's all it is. It's Mm. just and then and then Walking Dead spinoffs. And I'm like, Um, well, that's
1: yeah. I was watching it on the Blu-ray, and I also bought it back in like 2012. Uh, so I don't think it was on there, but that's, I mean, that's nice. It's very, it's hard because it's like, that doesn't excuse it in oh, my yeah. mind. You know, it's more like, oh, no wonder men have been thinking this shit's okay for 20 <laughs> years or whatever, not 20 <laughs> years, but you know what I mean? Like in my lifetime Forever.
3: yeah.
0: Forever.
1: and, uh, yeah, so it's upsetting, but it is cool that they put a disclaimer that's like, Hey, mm-hmm. sorry, we suck.
2: <laughs> yeah. At least acknowledge it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, I, in, in 16 candles, there's also like a really offensive Asian character,
1: right? I forgot about that. Oh my God.
2: I mean, it's, yeah, it's definitely, uh, I'm glad we're not doing that one. I'm glad we're doing (laughs) (laughs) that. Yeah.
1: I feel like that's too much. Yeah.
2: There are (laughs) definitely things that did not age well, but, um, it's not as bad maybe as some of the other ones.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Gotcha. Only curious.
1: Yeah, so I'd watch Pretty in Pink if Nick advocates for it. I've just never I don't I really don't know anything about it.
2: I remember uh enjoying it. I don't remember enjoying 16 Candles. I don't believe. I don't. Mm. But again, I could watch them both and be like have completely different opinions cuz it's been so long. Which one has John Cusack?
1: Say anything?
2: <laughs> oh. <laughs> it is funny
0: though cuz when I pulled up this movie uh like for The Briefest Second, I was like, "Oh my god." Is that Jennifer Jason Leigh and oh my god oh. is that Robert Downey Jr for Bender and Allie? cuz they looked mm-hmm. kind of similar and I was like they I feel like at that uh the year that that was made I feel like those two actors could have been good for those spots but
1: I think um, they're both technically considered part of the Brat Pack.
0: Oh shit, really?
1: Mm-hmm. Jennifer
0: Jason Leigh and and
1: Downey for sure. Interesting. Yeah. I love Jennifer
0: Jason
2: Leigh.
1: I do too. She was Me in um, the original Hitcher with my boy C. Thomas Howell.
2: Yes, she was.
1: I love him. Yeah.
2: <laughs> she was in Salamander, New York, and uh, she is a really weird character that Did I don't like. Did you say
1: Salamander, New York?
2: Yeah, not happy with her character in that. Yeah,
1: movie. she was basically might have, might as well have been named Titties because her boobs <laughs> were out in every scene. <laughs>
2: oh my goodness that's funny you're a silly goose Uh, alright so uh, does anybody have anything else to say about anything we really have gone off the rails so whatever you guys want to talk about
1: I guess I just wanted to say that which we already said but that it's just very funny and that oh I know I wanted to ask you guys because this happens to me all the time and I don't know if it happens to you. Do you ever get, like, random lines stuck in your head that aren't even important from movies? <laughs> but they're just like, that happens to you? Yes. Because oh, yeah. I was going to say, the like, the one where she goes, I got all this shit in my bag. Like, for some reason, <laughs> I always think about that. It's not even funny. <laughs> I just think she says it funny. <sighs> that is,
2: that is
1: uh, funny. Um I like the letterbox review where someone just put the quote, um, screws fall out all the time. The world's an imperfect place.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: I guess this is like not really related to the movie, but I just thought it was, an. I mean, it is obviously, but it's more of a, a side convo that I just wanted to bring up is that they talk so much in this movie about like virginity and being a tease and sex. And I just like... I wrote way too many notes about it, but I was just like, man, I'm so ready for virginity to just stop being held to such a high accord because oh even I, like I remember that being a thing in high school, like people always wanted to ask questions about that or say what they have or haven't done. And in this movie, Ali Sheedy says it perfectly where she's like, if you say you have, you're a slut. If you say you haven't, you're a prude. It's a, and a then trap. They, yep. It's a trap. And yes. then they end up calling her a tease which is also fucking fake, you yeah. know? Like, oh, because I wouldn't fuck you, I'm a tease. So, like, no matter what, she can't win.
2: Exactly. To lose-lose, yep. You you call someone a tease because of how you perceive their actions, not be- right. not because of how they actually act.
3: Oh, yeah. man.
2: This movie really does say a lot.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm
2: very impressed.
1: And I felt like a lot of it was very realistic, too. It's like, if you were trapped with these people for this long, you would probably, especially if you're smoking weed together, you probably would start to talk about these kinds of more deep and personal things, especially as teenagers.
2: Oh, yeah. I think one of the most realistic things in the movie, though, is when they're like, hey, um, are you going to write your paper, Brian? And he's like, yeah. And they're like, well, I think it doesn't make sense for us to all write our paper. And he's like, are you guys just trying to get me to write the paper? And Claire looks at him. He's like, well, you're the smartest. And then he does it. And I'm like, that's so (laughs) realistic. Like a pretty girl is like, oh, you're so smart. (laughs) Bam. Yeah.
0: He jumps to it. Ahead of its time isn't really – the right phrase, but that was going through my head. Timeless, really. Mm. I think because it it does span across generations, I think. Like it's not just applicable to that generation. I think it's still, I mean, it's been a while since I've been in high school, but I can imagine that this whole, uh, you know, fighting your parents, trying to find your place in high school is still very, very uh, a heavy thing these days. So
1: I, I will confirm Dakota's little brother is 17. He's a senior. And we watched this movie, which is probably the last time I watched it. I think in 2018, maybe. And so he would have been like a freshman or something. Mm -hmm. And he loves anytime we watch a movie where there's kids in high school in it, he loves to be like, we don't wear that. We don't say that. We don't (laughs) act like that. And he loved The Breakfast Club. like Loved it so much to where his hair at one point was like Bender's hair, exactly. (laughs) And he even would do like a little flip. I was like... Are you doing that to look like Fender? (laughs) So I feel like it really is timeless if this like modern teenager still likes it.
2: Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's really awesome to hear.
1: Uh, I feel like that's mostly it for me. Yeah.
2: I don't want this to end though. I just like. I know.
1: (laughs) I mean, we could stop recording and just keep being friends. (laughs)
2: <laughs> nah I'm good
1: <laughs> oh bye
2: <laughs> oh my goodness that is so funny <laughs> wait can you just tell the Batman story really quick please <laughs>
1: so okay when I was a freshman in high school the Dark Knight came out and mind you I'm a child I'm like 14 13 actually because my birthday's in September so I'm 13 and the Dark Knight comes out and we go see it and I was like that movie is sick and then like probably a full three years later I'm watching cable back when that was relevant (laughs) And I see what looks to be a Batman movie with Christian Bale. And I was like, this isn't the right movie. And I thought it was a sequel. And then the internet said there was a prequel you didn't fucking know about. (laughs) <laughs>
2: oh my goodness so I, you didn't know Batman i was Begins so existed.
1: i was so confused
2: <laughs> i'm sure <laughs> that movie leads right into Dark Knight. Nope. That's well
1: funny. i'm here to say you don't need it
2: <laughs> well good yeah it's probably my least favorite of the three so yeah that's really funny i love that we're ending this with batman take
1: three i don't know i'm glad that courtney doesn't keep in the weird shit we say when we're testing out the microphone for <laughs> we explain <laughs> movies <laughs> Like the other day, she was telling us how um, she had the gain up to a certain level where I guess it did something where like, if we would whisper, it would pick up a bunch of like background noise because it was like, oh, we need to hear your whisper. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so we were like, <laughs> Daniel went to the bathroom and she goes, okay, wait, everybody whisper to see if we can see it, <laughs> if we can hear him peeing. <laughs> like to test the microphone <laughs> <laughs> that's and i just remembered we're recording and that that's gonna probably stay it.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. i mean did it work like was was the venture successful or
1: she repeat she like replayed it and we couldn't hear the bathroom so i think that she fixed the gain on the microphone
2: good ah. good deal <laughs> excellent <Yeah. laughs> you need to start putting microphones <laughs> in the bathroom
1: for content? Oh,
2: God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, hi, everybody. Welcome to Take Three.
1: Yas.
2: Of Take Three, a movie podcast.
1: And we Nick is faded.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> they're like, hey, what are we drinking? And I'm like, <laughs> uh, y'all are late.
1: Happy birthday, Nick's sister.
2: Yeah, happy birthday. <laughs> I wish she listened <laughs>
1: She doesn't listen
2: at all? So for a while when we had a, was it a Patreon, she gave like the highest tier and she was like, this is for never making me listen. (laughs)
1: Wow. (laughs) It's okay. I don't think my sister listens to me explain movies.
2: (laughs) She has a bunch of merch. Oh,
1: that's cute. So
2: that was cool. Okay. So for those of you that for some reason uh, clicked on this episode without looking at the title and uh, skipped all the way to take three... We are doing The Breakfast Club. (laughs) And this is a movie that was released on February 15th, 1985, and made $5.1 million in its opening weekend, which not only is the weekend that most people celebrated Valentine's Day that year, but if you think about it, it's also President's Day weekend. So it went on to gross domestically $45.9 million at the box office, and there are actually conflicting reports on what it brought in internationally, but the largest number that seemed to be recorded was about $5.7 million. And it looks like most of that came from a uh, international re-release because there were some sites that I saw that its original release didn't have an international component to it. So it was a little bit confusing. I know you guys don't care, so I didn't do like too much detective work.
3: Gotcha.
0: So
2: basically $51.5 million is – is what it has made, and it cost $1 million to make, and it makes nice. sense because even though these people, these are, you know, very talented actors, they were all pretty young in their careers, and
1: mm-hmm.
2: think about, you know, where we're shooting. I mean, it's, it's essentially right.
1: – They basically create the set, and then they're done. <laughs>
2: exactly. Exactly. So I was looking at all of this stuff, and it's crazy how close together so many of the movies that you associate with John Hughes came out. Oh, yeah. 16 Candles comes out in May of 1984. He wrote and directed that one. Then The Breakfast Club in February of 1985, which he wrote, produced, directed... And even appears uh, in as Brian's dad as a cameo. He wrote National Lampoon's European Vacation, which came out late that July. And then just Mm -hmm. one week later, the first week in August, Weird Science comes out, which he wrote Mm. and directed. Then in late February of 1986, Pretty in Pink came out, which he wrote and produced. Then just a few months later in June... Ferris Bueller's Day Off came out, which he also wrote, directed, and produced. And this continues well on into the 90s, where he'd have multiple projects come out every year.
1: That's wild.
2: It's actually really impressive to me. And I understand why his name is so synonymous with film during this period of time. Like, he was a machine.
3: hmm
2: Oh, and he wrote Breakfast Club, which is arguably his best script. Yeah. I think I, the best script he's ever written in two days, yeah, damn <laughs> in two days that is crazy.
1: I remember in Mother when he says he says something about like writing a script in a weekend, and he tries to do that like while sitting on the floor. Do you remember that
2: in mother with the exclamation yeah. point
1: yeah, in mother
2: no, I just remember when they killed the baby. that's all yeah. I remember.
1: <laughs> When they eat the baby?
2: Oh yeah. They <laughs> ate her, yeah. Or ate him or whatever, yeah. But I don't remember that. But that's a lot. That's that's a lot of work to do in yeah. two days.
1: I feel like you gotta be not sleeping.
2: Totally. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what uh
0: what else he wrote in
1: nineteen ninety-four? Ninety four? Ninety four. That's the
2: year I was born. Really? 1994 I kind of stopped paying attention When it was past the 80s I saw like Home Alone and stuff but He wrote Baby's Day Out in
0: 1994 (laughs) Oh my god So you know
1: That's amazing Just
0: singing his praises over here That's all Wow so he made
1: two of the best scripts Within 10 years
2: (laughs) Thank you Oh, and if, if you were curious uh, how Breakfast Club's box office stacked up against all those movies that I just listed, it comes in third. Just $4 million behind European Vacation, and then Ferris Bueller was like a phenomenon at $70 million. Wow. Yeah. So I obviously didn't know the guy, but um, he was a freaking beast. And his work – he's dead now, but his work uh, will live on for a very, very long time. I mean, and I I'm mean there's not even... so many
1: to choose from.
2: Yeah, and not even mention the fact that he wrote Home Alone.
1: Yeah, it's like if you if you like the '80s or Christmas, you should have seen one of his movies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I could talk about the Brat Pack. Do it. Did you guys know what that was? I know that when I mentioned it in Take Two, I don't know. It didn't seem like you had heard of it.
2: So I don't know no. that I knew exactly what it was, but I like had an idea that because I knew what the Rat Pack was Mm. that like I can imagine it's a group of people, but I don't, I didn't know who (laughs) any of them were.
1: Yeah. Okay. So the Brat Pack with a B, I've heard that phrase tossed around a few times, just like over the years, people use it to refer to people like the actors from the Breakfast Club. Yeah. And I didn't know what the Rat Pack was, but it is a play on the Rat Pack just obviously changed. So there was a cool, pretty much all my notes, you guys are from my Blu-ray disc, but there's yeah. like a lot of different stuff on there. So there was a little special about the Brat Pack and essentially what happened and why I initially thought that maybe Emilio Estevez was, um, top build before we found out it was alphabetical <laughs> is because at the time he was fucking hot. Like he was a hot commodity People were very interested in him, and I believe it's only between 84 and 85, he had um, The Breakfast Club, St. Elmo's Fire, and The Outsiders, which were all huge. Oh, wow. So he was like someone that people were paying attention to. And so this guy, David Bloom, um, was hired to to write an article about him, I think for the New York Times, if I remember correctly. And it just kind of evolved where he sat down with Emilio and like wanted to meet Emilio's friends. And he was working on The Breakfast Club. So, of course, like all of the cast is going to be with him. And he kind of evolved this article instead of just being about Emilio to kind of encompassing like every hot young actor of the time. And so David Bloom is in this little mini documentary and he says that it it did encompass like anyone in their 20s, basically, who was hot in the 80s. And so since Emilio Estevez was in those three really famous movies, it mostly included the cast of those. So like the cast of The Breakfast Club, The Outsiders, and St. Elmo's Fire. And a lot of those are overlapping as well. Um, So people think of the Brat Pack mostly from those three movies. And like they think of those few actors at the center, but it actually encompasses a lot of people like Robert Downey Jr., Jennifer Jason Leigh was probably included in there, like, a lot of people. And it's kind of sad because at the time, it seemed like it was created to be a derogatory term. And I feel like when people use it now, it's not really thought of in that way. It's thought of in, like, a loving, nostalgic way because people loved all those actors. But at the time, it kind of seems like it actually made their friendship a little bit strained. Like, this guy had been hanging out with them and felt like they were bratty or, like, too... I guess, full of themselves. And it kind of broke the group a little bit. Like, they they felt like they couldn't have fun as much because this adult was watching them and, like, nitpicking the things they would do. So that kind of makes me sad to think that it might have, like, hurt their friendship. But, um, yeah, so that's the Brat Pack. And I'm glad that it didn't stay derogatory, that people aren't, like, oh, those fucking kid actors in the 80s.
2: (laughs) Totally. (laughs) I mean, like, nowadays... That group of people, I didn't know it was called the Brat Pack, but that group of people is is very much celebrated to this day, you know? Yeah,
1: exactly. Even if
2: they didn't go on to become mega celebrities, like some of them did. Uh, they just know.
1: kind of slip their way into other stuff. Yeah. Like you'll see them every once in a while.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know I know this is going to sound weird, but I know that there's something called the Splat Pack, which is oh. a bunch of horror movie uh, directors.
1: Oh.
2: Oh, I love and, that. That's cool. It, it might be a splatter the splatter, but um, it was a play on that as well.
1: How fun.
0: I'm glad that you brought that up because I actually came across some of that stuff in my research and mm. uh, I intentionally avoided it so that
1: oh. <laughs> so that you could have
0: it. <laughs> He's so generous, Kayleen.
1: I know. <laughs> Look.
0: <laughs> so I know in take one I spoke about how Uh, The Breakfast Club, there's a theory that it might not even be real. And then Mm -hmm. Nick made a joke about how you know it's a movie, so obviously it's not real. (laughs) I I remember this theory being a lot bigger than it was. It actually took me a while to to find it, but I did find it. And there's this theory, there's this fan theory that the entire day was made up by Allison, that Mm. she just imagined the whole thing. Um, It talked about how she's just this like kind of a loner and again didn't really have anything to do on a saturday so she went to her school library and just came up with these characters the theory explains how that would make the like hot boxing the library it explains how andrew was able to just shatter the the window with like no one <laughs> what noticing what the
2: fuck was that yeah
0: yeah so it's like all of these things that are kind of coming together on this note, though, I do want to say that I appreciate how the movie was able to balance all five of the characters. I don't believe in this theory just because I don't really think that there was any kind of concentration on her character specifically. Yeah. Um, but that was just something that I remember from a while ago. And again, I remember it being a lot bigger than that, but this, it took me a while to find, so... Maybe it's not as big as I recall, but...
1: I like that they use it to, like, explain away stuff in the plot they don't like.
0: <laughs> yeah, truly, truly, yeah. Uh, so,
3: <laughs> yeah, that's that. That's really cool. Yeah.
1: yeah, it it reminds me, this is off topic, but have you guys heard that theory where it's like, what if all of Friends was in Phoebe's mind, and in the last episode, she's looking at them from outside of the coffee shop? <laughs> Like she never stopped being homeless. if She's just picturing them like inserting herself in their friendship.
0: Oh, my God. I'm oh sorry. My what, God. Is, what is friends? What is that? Fuck
1: you. <clears throat> it's uh, I can't think of a good joke. <laughs> no, it's, it's,
2: okay. <laughs> it's something we're going to cry over in a couple of days and you're going to be like, why are you guys crying?
1: Even that trailer, I was like, woo, woo, yeah. I'm tearing up. <laughs> I kind of wish
2: I hadn't watched it, though, just because there are some, like, reveals, and mm. I, I would have cried at every reveal. Hopefully, there's still oh, some, yes. some surprises, but mm-hmm. we're talking about the Friends reunion that comes out on HBO Max, <laughs> and it's, like, Wednesday at midnight or something. something
1: I guess it like depends that. on where you are. Guess I'm staying up till nine. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well no, I think Hopefully it's, hopefully
1: it's PST that or EST so that I get it earlier.
2: I think it's I think it's twelve for you guys, three for us. That's how all the, the oh. Marvel shows were. Like
1: Oh, is it really? Yeah,
2: I would stay up till three o'clock in the morning. Well till really? four <laughs> o'clock in the morning watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. And Wandavision. That's not a lie either.
1: Uh, Courtney would come over to my house before work, so we would do, the, I guess, the opposite, watch it really early.
0: Oh, that makes sense. That's good. Do you want to talk about the finale, you watching the finale?
2: Okay, so (laughs) Jordan was with me when the Falcon and the Winter Soldier uh, finale came on, and it was the same night that uh, Mortal Kombat came on, and I was like, okay... Jordan, do you want to watch these with me this weekend or do you want to go to sleep and I'll stay up and watch them without you?
3: Mm -hmm. I chose
2: sleep. (laughs) Yeah. So I watched both of them. And when I watched uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, when, you know, the person gets the new costume at the end, uh, (laughs) I woke him up and I was crying and I was like, Jordan, he's – he got you know the new yeah. costume and he's and I can't I don't want to say it with like spoiling it but I was like explaining to him what happened and I was like sobbing and I was like I need a hug. Meanwhile, shoving this bright phone in my face, like, look at him, look at his costume. (laughs) And I mean, it was like 4.30 in the morning or something like that. That's funny. Oh, well, you brought up, you know, what you brought up um, something that I wanted to talk about. It was actually one of my last little bit of notes, but I'm rearranging. Let's see if I remember to get to all of it. I just wanted to talk about St. Elmo's Fire for a second, because for a long time, I thought this was a John Hughes movie.
1: Mm. And...
2: Maybe because it came out in 1985. Maybe because has it's all the
1: same people <laughs> coming of age
2: movie. Maybe. maybe it's because it has Judd Nelson, Emilio Estevez, and Ali Sheedy in it,
1: mm-hmm.
2: who all seem like they're at least five to 10 years older than they are in The Breakfast Club, even though they came out the same year. Like, don't they, they seem they... older?
1: Well, I actually haven't seen it, but aren't they playing older?
2: Yeah, but like, okay. It's it's just weird. Like, I mean, I, I think it's probably like they were playing like how old they actually were. Right, exactly. <laughs> but it's just they they very much seem older, and it's weird yeah. that those movies came out so close to each other. Like, here we're high school students. Actually, no, we're like 20-something year olds, and right. it's not written by John Hughes, it's not directed by John Hughes, it's actually written and directed by Joel Schumacher,
0: who Whoa. has directed
2: he's directed a few movies that I like. But since he directed Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, I don't like him.
1: You don't like those movies?
2: Batman Forever and Batman and Robin? Do you? Some
1: people, I, I haven't really seen them, but I know a lot of people love them.
2: I understand like what they were going for because it was supposed to be a reference to the TV show. It was very like campy, but following up Tim Burton's, which was... Campy in a different way. At least it took itself a little bit more seriously and didn't have all these ridiculous puns and um, misuse of characters. I love the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy. Uh,
1: I, I believe you mean duology. <laughs> oh, you're decision. right. You're no, right. First one. <laughs> you're right.
2: You're right. Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises, and then. I honestly really like what Zack Snyder did with with Batman as well. So
1: I really like what Robert Pattinson did with Batman.
2: <laughs> I cannot wait for that. This is we're just going to call this episode The Batman Club.
1: Yeah. <laughs> now I feel like I dreamt it, but I'm pretty sure I shared it on Instagram. It was Christian Bale commenting on Robert being the new Batman and he was just like all compliments to Robert.
0: Oh. Yeah. That's so sweet.
1: I thought it was nice. <laughs>
0: Though it could be a dream. <laughs> hmm <laughs> This could be.
1: The video was definitely real, but me sharing it was a dream. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. gotcha.
2: It's clear now. <laughs> <laughs> Christian Bale's had some pretty shitty moments, so I'm, I'm happy that he's like mm. being nice. That was nice, so that's good.
3: <laughs>
2: I want to talk to you guys a little bit about the 82nd Oscars. Uh, it was in March of 2010. Excuse
1: me? <laughs> what? Did Excuse you 80 me?
2: 80 second? 80 second Oscars, yeah.
1: Oh. What did okay. you think I said? No, 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 no. You said 80 second as in 82 and D. I thought you were like 80 second. You know uh. what I'm saying? <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh.
1: I was like, what kind of weird ass, like, Award show? Did you find? They're like this is the eighty second Oscars. It's just we really quick, really sped up in a minute and twenty.
2: <laughs> Honestly, though, I mean, some Oscar ceremonies could stand to be eighty seconds long.
1: I wish the most recent one raised. <laughs> <laughs>
2: They've been like, "Nomadland, Nomadland, Nomadland, Nomadland." <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Okay, okay, got it. Continue.
2: <laughs> so um, the Oscars that took place in March of 2010, uh,
1: uh,
2: the one that took place right after the 81st Oscars. <laughs> so this, this was just about seven months after a 59-year-old John Hughes died of a heart attack in New York.
1: Oh, oh uh-huh.
2: So there was a tribute to John Hughes with appearances. I
1: think I've seen
2: this. I'm going to share it because it's really cool. I really oh. like it.
1: Uh,
2: it had appearances by Molly Ringwald, Matthew Broderick, John Cryer, Ali Sheedy, Anthony Michael Hall, Judd Nelson, and Macaulay Culkin. And I have right oh. here. i wrote
1: cry. <laughs>
2: Because if it hasn't been mentioned yet, he wrote and produced Home Alone. But I mentioned it, so that works. Yeah. And. They all spoke very also, highly of John. Also, check out
1: the Take 3 episode about Home Alone. Thank you for, for promoting <laughs> that
2: because neither of us did. <laughs> that's good. Thank you very much. Yes. Um, I don't even know what season that's in. Jesus. God. Man. I think
1: it was last season. Okay. It was cool. in December. Good deal. Oh, Thank you. maybe it was the season before. You're right.
2: You're a bigger fan well, of our podcast than whatever. we are. <laughs> um, so they, they all spoke very highly of John and actually Molly Ringwald even said something like every young person has somebody in their lives that like shapes them and turns them into the person that they're going to be. I'm paraphrasing, but uh, something like that. And she was like, mine was John Hughes. And oh. uh, there, there are times where it was stated that he said she was his muse. Like it makes sense because they work together She's several times. She's
1: in fucking everything he's done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It was like he was like an old friend to a lot of them. And I thought it was really sweet and lovely. And I will definitely share it. Especially because in the end, they show that his family was in the audience that night and they get them all to stand up and stuff. And like hearing all these people that probably at that point, you know, you know, and love uh, talk so highly about your dad and your husband and stuff like that. I'm sure that was like really impactful for them too. And like me just watching it, I was like, this is like emotional. I mean, it really, it wasn't anything like too tear jerky, but they had a little clip reel and it was like, wow, like he did a lot. Again, I don't know the guy. He could have been, he could have kicked puppies, but I, he did a lot of great work.
1: I, I don't know how much I'll mention it, but in like every piece of research that I found, everyone was just talking highly of him and complimenting the decisions he would make and like the kind of director he was, writer he was, friend he was. He seems like a good guy.
2: That's awesome. Good for him.
1: Not all directors are, so Oh god, no. I
2: mean, damn,
1: like Kubrick.
2: <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean if you if you find one who is like that, you are definitely in the minority cuz I think mm-hmm. a, lo- a lot of times that power, it, you know, it takes some ego to be a director. To be mm-hmm. able to, to put yourself in the position where you are the one everybody's coming to for the answers. It can take right. some ego that, you know, to do that for over a long period of time. I've directed like really small stuff and I can't –
1: And you felt your ego getting bigger?
2: <laughs> no, not at all. Like I – I was like, I am not confident in myself enough to do that. I think it maybe Mm -hmm. maybe ego is too harsh of a word. Confidence. It takes confidence. And I was like, nope, I can't do this. I'd rather write it and edit it.
1: But you know what? I think there is a fine line between ego and confidence. And I want to say there are a lot of directors that definitely have an ego.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure.
1: Confidence is great. And I think John had confidence. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I feel like he would have, yeah, yeah, with the movies that he put out, he would have had to. Um,
1: and working
2: with young people, um, I think that's also you know to get a good performance out of young people and have them want to come back and work with you again. Right. Speaking of like good directors and directors that we enjoy, can I
0: interject with a uh, like really strange topic? Have we heard the news about Taika Waititi?
1: Oh, God, what news?
0: It's, it's what like, news? It's kind of good news. It's, okay. it's strange news, but it also, it's news that makes sense. Apparently, he's in, like, a threesome with Tessa Thompson and Rita Ora.
1: Okay, I wasn't sure if that was legit or if it was just, like, the paparazzi... Fuck. The paparazzi catching <laughs> a pick.
0: That's probably what it was, but I think, like, he's a director that I'm, like that I really love and I really hope that nothing comes out about him. And I, I can trust that maybe that won't happen, but like seeing him with, you know, those two girls and just doing him that just like, (laughs) I love it. (laughs) He's married about this, Nick. He's
2: He's married. married. Yeah. Uh Oh,
1: well, I think he might be recently divorced. Yo, I only say that because it said girlfriend in the caption I saw.
0: I just thought that was interesting, and I really like Taika Waititi both as an actor and a director. So
1: this is this is so fucking off topic, but I <laughs> kind of equate that to. Um, and I'm sorry to talk about this person. I know they're a creep, <laughs> but I've like watched interviews with um, Timothy Chalamet uh, and like Army Hammer, where it seems like their relationship after doing Call Me by Your Name was so comfortable that they one of them told a story about like timmy basically like be running into their bedroom to tell them something and literally like cuddling with them in bed like army and his wife and i'm like i like to think that that's like a cute thing and not a creepy thing
2: yeah and then he ate both of them
1: (laughs) yeah and we never saw timmy or his wife again
2: (laughs) i'm gonna have to bleep out um (laughs) All of that? <laughs> yeah, that whole story. No, just just army hammer's name.
1: We do that every time we say W Allen's name.
2: Yeah, good. Even
1: even the other day, Courtney, we were talking about something related to him and Courtney put like asterisks in his name as if it was like fuck.
2: <laughs> oh my god, have you ever seen Broad City?
1: Very briefly, like only a couple episodes.
2: Oh, I feel like you would absolutely fucking love that show, and you'd watch it like in a day, (laughs) Kayleen.
1: Uh,
2: But if they say Trump, they bleep it out. Oh, my gosh.
1: I love
2: that. I thought that was really funny. That
1: is funny.
2: Have you watched Pen15 yet on Hulu?
1: I did. Oh, my God. I did. (laughs) And only kind of recently, like since COVID.
2: Really? uh, Which I mean, that's been my
1: whole fucking life, but...
2: (laughs) did we watch that whole series I did did I I think I think we were a little bit through season two. I definitely remember watching some of season two. yeah, I don't know if i'm if I'm finished with it or not. I'm always like if there is a certain show that I'm excited for, I'm like okay you you watch it
1: mm.
2: without me, but I when I watch it, I want to watch it with you
1: I see got it
2: like certain things like there's uh this yeah. show called Love and Death and Robots.
1: Oh, Daniel has done like a whole letterbox series on that show.
2: Yeah. Oh, shit. We watched two the other day, and they were – freaking incredible i'm so excited Mm. and i was like just go watch them all because i know he's like super excited about those but when i watch them, i want to watch them with you
1: so i get like that but the guy that i live with dakota (laughs) fucking falls asleep during everything (laughs) (laughs) and so it's like he lets there's certain things where he'll let me watch it even if he falls asleep you know what i mean Uh uh-huh but but there are some things where, like, for example, when we watch Sharp Objects, I had already seen it before. And I was excited to watch it with him because he wouldn't know the twists and shit. Uh-huh. And then he's, like, falling asleep. And I'm like, I've already seen it. <laughs> I've already seen it. <laughs> Wake up.
2: <laughs> that is funny as hell.
1: So that's my life every day. <laughs>
2: You need to get some sort of, like, like uh, air horn or something. Just go, <laughs> like that, wake his ass up.
1: <laughs> and also, like, he, it's gotten to the point, too, where he gets mad because he's like, how'd you catch me so fast? But it's easy because we'll be watching something, and it's like, I know him pretty well. We've been together for a long fucking time. And so we'll be watching something, and I'll, like, laugh. And I know it's something he would have laughed at. Yeah. And he doesn't. So then I look over and he's sleeping and he's like, How'd you how'd you know I was asleep?
2: <laughs> also, are you one of those kinds of people that like if you've seen something, you almost catch yourself watching the person that you want to watch it with watching the show?
1: Um, yes and no. Like, I definitely I'm not so invested in his reactions that I won't appreciate it, but I will say if there's something it's about to happen that i know is a big deal oh, yeah. i'll give a little i'll give a little glance and if he's sleeping i get pretty upset <laughs>
2: <laughs> there are times there are certain things where i would just like like stare like i i watched uh, <laughs> wandavision with my mom and then with my sister and my mom oh wow I I watched it by myself first, so I'd seen it, like, several times. So I'm, like, not even paying attention, like, the fourth time I've seen this show. I'm just looking (laughs) at them. We would just get together and and binge a bunch of them, and I'm just, like, staring at them the whole time, like, how do you feel? How do you feel?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I I did kind of – it depends. If I'm doing something that I consider risky, yes. Like, for example – I showed my mom Promising Young Woman in January, and I probably was watching her for like 90% of that movie because it's my Republican mother watching (laughs) Promising Young Woman. And so I'm like, does she like it? Is she Does she think it's – is it okay?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I feel that.
1: Uh, But she did. She thought it was really funny.
0: (laughs) I tried to get my parents to watch that, and my mom – like 10 minutes in, she's like, what is this about? Like, what are we watching? And I was like, you know what? I don't want to deal with this right now. I don't feel like (laughs) – I don't feel like having this discussion. So we switched yeah. to Barb and Star, go to Vista del Mar. That wow. was a much better decision.
1: Yes, I get that. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel um, that
2: I fucking love that movie so much. You've
1: seen you've seen Barb and Star? Mm-hmm. Oh, I haven't seen it yet.
2: It's so good, Kaylee. Don't I feel go into like it. I might
1: like it.
0: Yeah, don't go into it expecting like a laugh riot like Bridesmaids, but mm. and, and don't expect to take it seriously either. But it, is, it seems f- like
1: it's batshit it, <laughs> from what Courtney is. said about it.
2: <laughs> it really is. It's a fun time. It's like the talk. first scene. I was like, <laughs> "Are we watching a different movie? Like, what is going on?"
0: I love that first scene.
2: Hey, do you guys remember when we started this and we were talking about the <laughs> Breakfast Club?
1: Honestly, <laughs> I don't. <laughs>
2: Does anybody have anything they want to say?
1: I can go next. (laughs) Yeah,
2: go next, Kayleen.
1: Okay. (laughs) Okay. My next bit of notes are about um, the script itself and kind of like the shooting process. So a lot of this is about like John and his relationship with the cast. So watching the film and just like kind of the lore of the film, I don't know how much you guys knew before going into it, but there were some facts I had like heard or that were rumored whether or not they ended up to be true, but just like stuff I'd heard about it. Kind of like one of those things being that it was written in a weekend. Like that was a big thing I had heard. Um, And so one of the things I had heard and that I had kind of been paying attention to when I was doing my research is that there's a lot of improv in the script, but a lot of it came from just stuff like the fidgeting. So like the little bits when people don't really have dialogue, that was all kind of just the kids like playing together and coming up with stuff because they knew that they needed these like transitional moments From dialogue to dialogue. And so the editor, whose name is Dee Dee Allen, I guess was like on set often because she wanted to see like what the actors were doing and what she would maybe want to cut and want to use in the actual, obviously, final cut. So her and John worked really closely together. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that, that she got to have like such a heavy hand in it. And so a couple things that I wrote down that were improvised is like when John hawks the loogie and then catches it <laughs> oh and goodness. Molly reacts really like that's disgusting because <laughs> she really thought that was fucking gross.
3: <laughs>
1: and then, uh, the part where Brian like puts the pen on his lip
0: to like <laughs> pick his nose. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes. And he's just like playing with it. And then he sees Bender watching him and he's like, Oh, uh, <laughs> so that was all improvised, which I love that. Um, so there was a lot of like, Improv and just, like, riffing off of each other and stuff. One example being there was a, a big conversation around that line, Neo, Maxi, Zoom, Dweeby, because that's a really big, like, where the fuck does that come from? Yeah. <laughs> and I guess in rehearsals and, and tapings and stuff, it was always in the script to say something about Dweeb, and John Bender just kept changing it, so Judd kept changing it. And just the one they decided to keep is he just, like, made it up. So Neo Maxi Zoom Dweeby was just, like, him riffing one day, which is awesome. I love that. (laughs) Um, Another thing that I thought was pretty cool is that the script supervisor was also on set a lot. And the script supervisor started doing this thing where they would bring a tape recorder because sometimes, like, the cast and... um, John Hughes would just get like caught up in the moment and not really be paying attention. And so they would like run out of film and everyone would hear the film like clicking, like, Oh, there's no more film. But John was just so invested that he's like, Oh, whatever. Like just, just keep playing. Like it's more (laughs) important to keep the sincerity than to put more film in. And so the script supervisor started like recording stuff because he didn't want to miss these great lines that the kids were coming up with. So there's just like there's such so like a collaborative environment where everybody was like working together and they said more than once that John was not precious about his script and something I also found out is that the script he wrote in a weekend was his first draft but I guess there were actually several drafts and they picked stories from each draft so oh, like cool. um yeah, so, like, a big, a huge thing, and sometimes I wonder if my facts are correct because you see, like, conflicting sources or, like, someone tells a story different than someone else, but a huge thing I've heard with The Breakfast Club is that the speech about the guy duct taping the kids' book cheats together is improvised, and I'm like, that seems kind of extreme right wow but i found out that it was in a different draft of the script than the one that they used so it's like it was still in there but it wasn't in the final script so emilio had seen it and maybe had even suggested that it stay in the final script so it's it's not that it was improvised but they just like john was cool with them looking at his other scripts and deciding what they did and didn't want to put in the movie so i love that he's so open with that kind of a thing (laughs) So cool. Um wait,
2: can I just say something really quick? Yeah. Uh the tape or the tape recorder Oops. thing is that is like one of the coolest things I've ever heard. That is so <laughs> awesome. I love that. I uh, do.
1: It's it's like the script supervisor knows that they are an important part of the writing.
2: Yeah. Oh definitely. Yeah. Don't ever worry about your facts or your being right or wrong. Like watch, <laughs> watch this. Okay. Um Michael Jackson directed this movie. See, <laughs> somebody out there is going to believe us. They're not going to question it. Don't worry. This is a hub of misinformation. Do not worry.
1: I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then something else that I just thought was really cute is they, they talked about how, you know, during the part where they're all, after they've smoked weed and they're all sitting in that, like, semicircle talking and it's very serious. Like, I they all end up crying, scene. basically. Yeah. One thing that's just interesting is they talk about how the camera is at such a low angle that it's kind of like we're there with them, which I really like, because it does feel like you're part of it. And the other thing is that I guess Hughes would sit there in the circle with them, obviously out of frame, but like, he genuinely was just watching them and like reacting to what they were doing. So I just like, despite, you know, things not necessarily aging well in some of his movies he just seems like he was such an honest pure soul that like really wanted to do what was best for everybody yeah and they even said that like with him not being precious about the script and with him being open for all this improv and everything that he could always hear the truth so it wasn't like he would deny an idea because he didn't like it it was like the only time he would deny something is if he felt like it wasn't truthful everything else he was like do whatever the fuck you want, man. Like, this is <laughs> our project, not my project.
0: That's so oh, great. I love that. Yeah.
1: So that's all my facts about that. And I. it just seems like they all had a really grand time doing this together.
0: Oh, you can tell. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And also, to piggyback off of that improv thing, I did read in several sources that that, that like, where they were in the circle, like, on the balcony in the library... Yeah. That was a lot of that was improv as well, and there were a lot of really mm. emotional moments in that. Like, pretty much everyone was crying, like you said,
1: literally. And, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, and to to improvise that and ad lib that
2: is like really impressive. Not to say that like the whole thing was ad libbed, but you know, it's still, yeah, yeah. I don't know if this is ad libbed or not, but like, uh, in that scene, um, one of the parts, and it's so crazy because it actually they, they put it in the tribute video that they did at the Oscars is uh, when Ali or Allison is like uh, something about like when you when you get older, your heart dies.
1: Yeah. And
2: I'm like, oh, my like I that hit me when I watched <laughs> it when we like when we first watched this mm-hmm. and then just like ha- I've heard it now like several times because not only do they have it in the clip reel, but Ali Sheedy actually says it. Uh. Like oh, in she her says little, it on
3: stage?
2: Yeah, she says it on oh. stage. I'm like, wow. Jesus. But yeah, I mean, that's just something, <laughs> I don't know. It, like, I'm not even sure how it applies to me, but it was just very emotional. And you could tell, I mean, yeah. they really all do have like tears running down their faces. And I, you know, I don't know if that's true, but probably.
1: You know what? It like this, I'm just thinking of this right now, but it kind of reminds me of my favorite part of, God, I brought this up twice today. My favorite part of Call Me By Your Name, which is when the dad is giving that beautiful speech oh to Timothy Chalamet at the end. And it's, it's kind of the same idea of like, let things affect you. And even though it hurts, like don't numb yourself. Like let, let things happen, let them move through you. And we're watching this group of teenagers feel everything that they're talking about.
0: And we're feeling it with them. Like this is such yeah. a relatable thing. Like I feel like, again, like I said in Take Two, it's a very timeless thing. I think it's relatable throughout generations. And we are right there with those characters being able totally. to feel them and 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 know what they're going through.
1: And almost in a sadder way because we're older than them now.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Really? Our hearts yeah. have died.
1: Our hearts have died.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but um, about Call Me By Your Name, I have told several people about that movie and have told them like um it's it's way too long and it's pretty slow and the the gay sex isn't, you know, anything to you know,
1: the gay write sex home is about. pretty hetero, if
2: you yeah, ask right, me.
1: Right.
2: Like the, they say no homo and you can kinda yeah. But um <laughs> but it is worth <laughs> it for that last little bit
3: that that
2: that conversation with the dad yeah. is so freaking good and I can't think if what his his name is but he was in um
1: Sten- Stenberg
2: of- yeah something like that, that right? Sounds right Michael is it Michael Michael Stenberg, Stenberg? yeah probably he's it's in um, like the shape of water too
1: <laughs> yeah
2: he's I just, oh my God, that's it, like the best scene in the movie. It's so freaking good. Okay, sorry. Yeah. let's stop talking about <laughs> um, that movie. One thing that I have uh, is that John Cusack actually auditioned a bunch of times for the role of Bender.
3: <gasps> but, disgusting.
2: I, but obviously <laughs> lost out to Judd Nelson. And it's sad because that ruined Cusack's career. We never heard from him again. <laughs> No, that was just <laughs>
3: yeah. a joke.
2: But yeah, um, he did do that. Um, oh, okay. John Hughes said that his biggest regret in the movie is that weird glass breaking part when Andrew's like jumping around and they're smoking. Really? Yeah. And I, I always thought that was kind of weird too. And there's also like this weird glass shattering effect before the movie starts.
1: Yes. Yes. Ugh, and it's right after such a good quote and then it just like starts the movie not on a great note (laughs) to me it's like
2: something i would have put in a a movie that i made when i was like 17
1: yes well i mean it was the 80s they probably just had powerpoint
2: (laughs) (laughs) it makes you feel like you're about to watch an action movie or something like i want to go on record as saying i don't know what the fuck was up with either of those two things but yeah. they were all part of Ali Sheedy's imagination. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly.
1: Anything you don't like, it was because it was in the imagination.
2: Yes. yes. Yeah. And she also imagined all the racist and misogynistic things that happen in Sixteen Candles.
1: Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> was she
2: in that movie? No. No. Yeah,
1: no, but it's part of her memory.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of really bizarre fan theories out there like when I was researching the the whole alley thing one came up about there was this huge debate about how the the temperature of of of, of Molly Ringwald's sushi changed the entire trajectory of the plot what? like they were like, oh, my God, this sushi's been unrefrigerated for this whole movie. She suddenly takes it out. But that affects Bender's reaction. Maybe Bender was disgusted that the sushi wasn't cold and not that, like, she was eating sushi, but just that she was eating warm sushi. And that's not okay. Some what of these things were like, yeah, it was really, really bizarre. I mean,
1: I do think about that every time. I'm like, that sushi's got to be fucking nasty now. Yeah,
2: yeah, true. I just think, hey, sushi is fucking nasty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, this is cool. Annie Leibovitz took that iconic photo that's on the poster. Shut up. You're taking all of my points. (laughs) Sorry. Jordan, how many times have I asked you to show me your notes? We don't ever cross over. We don't ever cross over. never. Never, never, never.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I was legit going to be like, oh, Nick, you'll appreciate this because I know you love this
2: artist. Okay, you do it then. Wait, wait, wait. Who is she? It's fine. What?
1: I've heard the name, but who is that?
2: She's a famous photographer.
1: Oh, that's and it? She's she's just like a... I just... I don't know who that is. She,
2: she's just a famous photographer. She's photographed like everyone in Hollywood. What's
1: like a famous picture I would know?
2: Have you ever seen Whoopi Goldberg in the milk bath?
1: Oh, I don't think. Um... This is just gonna show how uncultured I am.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Legit, if Nick did not know
0: who this was and if I had not gotten him a photo book of hers for
1: some Christmas
0: or
2: birthday, like I would not know who this is either. So I love her so much. She's (laughs) such a cool lady too.
1: And she took the picture where like they're all standing by the lockers in different levels. Um, It was the
2: one that's behind like the, the white. It's it's like the movie poster. Yeah, it's the one where they're kinda I think they're like crouched down.
1: Okay, I,
2: okay. I'm going to interject here before any of my other ideas get
0: stolen. Go Um, for it. I have two points left. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Before it was called The Breakfast Club, the original script name for this movie was The Lunch Bunch.
1: Ew, Um, I hate that so much. I know, I'm
0: very glad that it got changed. Uh, And the lights in the library apparently were so hot that the set ranged from 95 to 110 <gasps> degrees sometimes.
1: Disgusting. Yeah,
0: and there were two additional assistant directors hired to keep the cast awake from heat exhaustion. Apparently. Oh my God.
1: Wow. According to I, some sources. I feel like that would be really difficult to light them correctly without getting, yeah. like, glistening foreheads.
0: Yeah, or, like, yeah, I was thinking
2: about that, like, in the makeup department and stuff,
1: I feel yeah. like they'd be... That just well, something
2: not fun at all. I know that it was filmed at least largely like at an actual high school. I don't think it was like still a high school, but it was like an actual – at one point it was a high school. And yeah. so it's not like a sound stage where you can – like I guess what I'm saying is, is that, yes, you have to bring in a bunch of lights because – You can't
1: like pull the roof out. Yeah, and they're <laughs> yeah. not
2: outfitted yeah. with a bunch of studio lights. You have to bring those in. So obviously that is going to increase the – temperature holy shit yeah you know if it if it became 90 degrees i'd be like peace i quit
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's getting to be like that outside and i'm already like i hate summer i can't stand this i'm out i'm done you can't make me go outside
2: yeah i uh (laughs) i'm not a big really cold person and i'm not a big really hot person i like
1: i'm a tepid person (laughs) yeah i like for sure Okay, so my next little bit of notes is just kind of like random facts that I heard from the commentary and from the little mini doc that was on the Blu-ray. One I just thought was a little bit interesting. We were just talking about how much we hate the glass shatter effect in the beginning, right after the David Bowie quote. Mm -hmm. But in one of the interviews, Ali Sheedy said that that is her favorite part of the movie because she showed that quote to John Hughes. And it looks like Jordan already knows that too.
3: <laughs> it was
0: like, yeah, 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 yeah. I did so read that she, that was her idea. Yeah. That's yeah. Really so cool. she like
1: saw it and thought that it related to the movie and showed it to him. And then, like, without really telling her, it appeared in the movie and she was like, Hey, I showed that to you.
0: <laughs> and then it so shattered cool. into a million pieces. <laughs> yeah. And then he said, that's what I
1: think of your idea.
0: <laughs> that's like, he got like the most advanced version of whatever, whatever, uh, yeah. editing software he was. It's like, Oh, I like this effect. Let's put that in.
1: Yes, totally. <laughs> he was like, wow, this one is like glass.
2: <laughs> I mean, I'm really like if you order or, or if you download any sort of free special effects, and, again, as a person who's been making movies, especially yeah. throughout my teens, uh, I definitely downloaded a bunch of free, like, special effects shit when I was a yeah. teenager. Like, that glass-chattering effect is, is one of the things that comes with it.
1: It legit <laughs> looks like PowerPoint. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you mentioned John Hughes being Brian's dad at the end of the film. Did you know who else in his family is special?
2: No. His no.
1: mom and sister in the film are his real mom and sister.
2: Aw, that's so cool. Isn't Wait, that sweet? They appear,
1: yeah, they appear okay. in the beginning of the movie. Oh, that's awesome. And
2: John awesome. Hughes is his real dad.
1: Yeah. In real yeah, life. Yeah, and John Hughes is his real dad. <laughs> yeah.
2: See, guy, like, look, it doesn't matter. We could just make shit up. Nobody's no going to fact gonna check know. us on this stuff. We're supposed to be the fact checkers.
1: <laughs> Um, another thing that I thought was interesting because it relates to the episode with Courtney. So you know how in Promising Young Woman there was like a huge element of the music and how Emerald knew what music she wanted included and that was like part of the script? Yes. It was a very similar thing for this movie. I don't know about like every single song, but Hughes had a an idea all ready to go for what music would be there. And so like the editor already knew what to expect and like what vibe was present for every scene because... He already planned most of the music out. It's
2: so useful and it's so great to have a budget <laughs> that you can get these <laughs> yeah. these songs, man.
1: Um you also mentioned, who did you say? Oh, John Cusack was coming in for the role of Bender. So apparently, Judd came into the audition pretty much in the exact outfit he wears in the movie. So like he invented the Bender look and he came to the audition dressed like that. And acting like that to the point where someone almost kicked him out thinking he wasn't supposed to be there. And then they (laughs) called him in like Judd Nelson. And he went in and they were like, oh, fuck, this guy's like here for the
3: audition.
0: (laughs) I love that. That's
1: That's awesome. So I thought that was cool also because I was just having this conversation with Kimmy where it's like, As an actor, that kind of thing is so risky because you don't know if that's going to, like, offend someone or make them think you're not professional. But there's so many of these stories about that just really working, so I'm (laughs) glad that – I'm glad he went for it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I wanted to know what the end of your joke was, Jordan, because (laughs) I have a fact about the joke and I feel like it conflicts with what you're going to say. <laughs>
0: so I, a bit of an explanation here. The end of okay. this joke is not confirmed. I don't know if, okay, okay. if that helps your...
1: That does help. I'm just going to okay. say my fact then and then you can still tell your thing and it's not like I'm correcting you.
0: Deal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. So in that part where he tells the joke, he's like, I forget what it, how it goes. You probably have it written down, but it's yes. like a blonde and a something walk into a bar. Yep. yep. <laughs> and he's crawling across the air vent. And so I guess what happened was that that scene was written where it was just going to be silence of him crawling through the air vent. And then remember when he like crashes through the ceiling and he shows up, he goes, Oh, I forgot my pencil. pencil. Which is like (laughs) so absurd. (laughs) And so Judd was like, I don't know, you know, obviously he's not the script writer, but like I said before, John was totally open to ideas. So Judd was like, You know, I think that scene might work better if I'm talking. And so he tried so hard to write a joke where the punchline would be, I forgot my pencil. But he couldn't think of anything. And so he was like, how do you feel about me just making up a joke? And then we never hear the punchline. So he made up this joke that has no real punchline. And I guess they did a couple takes where one they did it in silence and one they did it with the joke. And then I guess he also made up another joke that from the sound of it was really, like, vulgar or something. And John was like, <laughs> we're not using that. <laughs> so they kept the one where he just never says the punchline, which I thought was cool.
0: See, I kind um, of that. I like that. That's, that is really, like, the... Like the briefcase in Pulp Fiction, where it's like you don't. Really right, know when you it can is. make
1: up whatever you want because yeah. the character would have had a punchline, but the actor did not have a punchline. Right, right.
2: That scene is so um, funny, too. Oh my goodness.
1: <laughs> oh, I love that <laughs> because it's so. It was like such a huge act that he did, and then he comes in. And he's just like, I forgot my pants. <laughs> <laughs> Um, last couple of facts that are just, again, random facts. One is that Paul Gleason, who plays the principal, played minor league baseball, which I just thought was really cool. <laughs> like in real life, he was on the minor leagues. Really? Yeah, that's, I guess so.
2: That's really interesting.
1: Uh, something else is that they talked really highly of him in the same way they did of John Hughes. Everyone talked really highly of everyone. So that makes me happy that someone who's playing like the big asshole of the movie is still a cool guy. <laughs> Um, and then my last cool little fact is that Judd, Emilio, and Ali, who are the only, not only, but they're the three people who are actual adults in the film, whereas Molly and Anthony were kids, they actually, like, spent time undercover at a high school. So, like, I don't know if John orchestrated it or what, but, like, they made a deal with some high school, probably in Chicago, where, like, a couple of the teachers and maybe, like, the principal knew about it and, like, agreed to let it happen, but none of the kids knew about it, and most of the teachers didn't know about it, so they were just, like, pretending to be in high school.
2: That's awesome. For,
1: like, research.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yo, um, uh, Tom Holland did that for Spider-Man.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, yeah.
2: and this girl, this girl was... I saw this like clip. It was on the what's the the British gay guy? What's that guy's name? He's like the Very best. Yeah, he's like the best British <laughs> yeah. gay guy there is. Okay. Um, so he apparently said something like uh, he he went to the school and nobody knew knew who he was and none of the movies had come out yet and there was this one girl who was I guess talking to him or something and he he was like I'm Spider Man. And she's like, dude, you're crazy. Like what is wrong with you?
1: <laughs> she's like, dude, you're fifteen. Leave me alone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I read something similar and they I think the article that I read said that they pulled a twenty one and twenty two jump street. Apparently they did the same oh, thing for, yeah. for those movies. So that's
2: that's yeah. funny. Speaking of that I fucking love those movies. I
1: love those movies. Did you did you get our reference in our cold open last week?
2: Wait, what what was it? Hold on.
1: In our cold open last week for Chaos Walking, we were like Cynthia, Cynthia.
2: No, I, I remember it's, that, but what? When it, where is part, that?
1: It's the part in Twenty Two Jump Street where he's doing like spoken word. Oh oh, oh
0: yes. <laughs> Oh, my God. I've seen that movie one time, and I haven't even seen the second one. No. I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about, though. Uh,
1: we've that referenced is... it a lot in our
3: friendship.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Julia Roberts. Bob <laughs> Hurts. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, that's the kind of stuff, like, where I can't imagine that that's not somewhat improvised.
3: Oh, for <laughs> like, sure. Like, could you write for something sure. like that? Jeez. Uh,
2: Wait, I'm sorry. I don't, I I don't, like, I think you said you were done. What's the fucking punchline to the joke, Jordan? All right. So (laughs) I think it was more of, like, Reddit
0: was, like, what's the punchline to the joke? And then people started just kind of, like, making up their own or figuring out what I love that, though. Yeah, what made the most sense. So Bender says, a naked blonde walks into a bar carrying a poodle under one arm and a six-foot salami under the other. The bartender says, so I don't suppose you'd be needing a drink? And the blonde says, and that's when he falls through the roof. So Reddit theorizes that, the punchline is, I definitely do after what just happened to me. The bartender says, I'm so sorry, what happened? And The blonde says, well, my boyfriend and I were just about to make love. And out of nowhere, the crazy bastard says, I'm going to pound my favorite bitch with my giant sausage. So I grabbed them both and got the hell out of there. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, my.
0: And I think, like, th- there were tons of other, like, suggestions of what the punchline to this joke could be. But I think this one That's was the most popular one. and kind of, like, yeah. makes the most sense. So...
1: Jokes are fucking weird. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just like that kind of a joke, you know, that's so it's almost like um uh what's it like a fable the way that jokes get passed down.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: So interesting.
1: <laughs> are you eating chips?
2: <laughs> gum.
1: <laughs> I thought I just saw you crinkle a bag.
2: It's a gum weird. wrapper. Yeah, a weird quirk
0: of his is he'll, like, chew gum and then just swallow it like it's food or candy. Yeah, I'm gonna die. Did
1: you swallow the gum you were chewing earlier?
0: Yes. Yes, he Nicholas,
1: did. it's gonna be like that scene in <laughs> WandaVision.
2: <laughs> all your gears are gonna get clogged up.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> of all the things you could have said... <laughs> Nicholas you're going it's going to form a mast and it's going to mess you up internally you're going to have gastrointestinal problems for the rest of your life no it's going to be like that scene in WandaVision <laughs> where your ears will get messed up and you'll where you're act just drunk.
1: drunk forever
2: <laughs> <laughs> Nick you have a magic show to put on I love that episode that episode's so funny All right, so we just talked so much in between points. I don't know how (laughs) this is going to edit, but we're going on to the next point. For a lot of us who weren't alive when this movie came out, it'd be easy to think that John Hughes just picked the song, Don't You Forget About Me, because Mm. it fit with the theme of the film. But what I learned is that the song was actually written for the movie by a producer Mm. named Keith Forsey and a guitarist and songwriter named Steve Schiff.
1: I love it.
2: Yeah, go, ooh, ah, yes, yes, yes. Ooh, ah, yes, yes, yes. Ooh, nice. Amazing. (laughs) Give me more, give me more. (laughs) Tell me more, tell me more. (laughs) (laughs) They apparently were both fans of the band Simple Minds and wrote it with them in mind.
1: With them in minds?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'm I'm really struggling. (laughs) After proposing the idea to them, the band declined, as did Billy Idol, Brian Ferry, and Corey Hart, and Cy Curran from the band Fix. Yeah, so a bunch of people, a bunch of big people turned it down. Anyway.
1: Fuck them.
2: Yeah. Anyway, Simple Minds label kept putting pressure on them, but they were reluctant to sing someone else's song. Finally, they agreed because they weren't satisfied with the radio play they were getting here in North America, and they thought this wouldn't hurt, at least. Apparently, they recorded the song in three hours and just forgot about it, went back to their album. They figured it wouldn't go anywhere. Well, obviously it did. And (laughs) I just wanted to ask you both a question. Have you ever heard even one other Simple Minds song
1: I don't believe. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no. So the the only reason we have any idea yeah. who they are is so because they're saying, yeah, because there was just like one quote where he was like, uh, we're simple minds. We sing simple mind songs. We don't sing songs that sound like simple mind songs. And I'm like, mm. Wow sounded pretty pretentious you know
1: this is i mean i know this is not the movie that we're doing but i just know way too much about back to the future (laughs) um in back to the future it was a very similar thing where they wanted huey lewis and the news to do their like you know the song for the movie and they denied them like a bunch of times before they basically had to be like you guys can write whatever you want it doesn't have to be like about time travel and then they wrote power of love and they were like yes that's that's fine <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's the power of love
1: <laughs> yeah
0: i'm curious to know what you think your five niches would be if this movie oh. were set like today they can overlap, they can be the same as, as what was in The Breakfast Club, but I'm I'm curious to know, like, if this movie were remade, what would the five personalities be?
1: Okay. Interesting.
0: If you have any thoughts on that.
1: I feel like the jock is a definite staple. Like, Agreed. that, I feel like, stands the test of time.
0: Yeah. But I will say, I will say the jock wouldn't be, because he was wrestling, right?
1: Yeah. I That wouldn't be the sport I would pick.
0: No. I'd pick, like, lacrosse
2: or something
1: cross Interesting.
2: Yeah. I know I went to probably a different school than the majority of people that are listening just because it was like a small private Christian school. So there weren't really like criminals and stuff. I mean, mm. they were bad kids. But I, I mm. definitely think that the, the smart kids a lot of the times were also the weird kids. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel like I would lump in I guess with just the terms they use, like criminal and basket case, I feel like I would lump those two more together if I were trying to think of like my high school.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think when we were talking about the ones that we fit under, we all identified as multiple ones and we Mm -hmm. all selected Allison. Oh, right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because she's so easy to select because she's like diverse.
2: Yeah, yeah. But she's also weird, and I'm sure yeah, that yeah. we were all weird in high school because we're all weird now. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I think what's
0: missing from the Breakfast Club is like maybe like a drama personality. Like I feel like there's
2: like the oh, drama the, club the gay that's missing. guy. Yeah. yeah, we're missing a gay. gay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of you know, them needs to be just the gay. The gay. <laughs> yeah.
1: You see us as you want to see us. The gay. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: That's a
0: great point, Jordan. Oh, my God. I, That's funny. So, like, if I were to change something about the original group, I would try to include some kind of drama department personality because that was big in my in my high school. So, Whereas we didn't
2: have a drama club at all. That's so sad.
1: Maybe this is because I was in drama in high school, but I would say in drama itself, there was, like, a class system. Really? (laughs) Like, there was, like, the weird drama kids who were almost like the, they were, like, the emo drama kids kind of in a way. Mm -hmm. And then there were, like, I don't know. When I try to put myself into a category, I'm always, like, I'm the average one. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, And then there were, like, the popular drama kids who weren't, like, popular outside of drama but within drama it was like bow down to these people you know wow. yeah yeah it felt like it's own little world kind of
2: it's weird i was like relatively popular like again small school
1: oh damn nick
2: no but like people knew who <laughs> i was it wasn't like i was like people were jealous of me or anything but you they also knew who ran i won like 50% of the clubs that were even, that even existed in your school. I was part of a lot of different clubs. I would yeah. run the video component of our chapels and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, people, people knew who I was, but I also misbehaved all the time. I was very <laughs> weird. I, the only one I didn't fit into was the jock.
1: <laughs> mm, I didn't do any athletics in high school.
0: Me neither. I just think it's interesting because there were talks of like a sequel to this movie and there were talks of a remake of this movie. And I think... While you can keep the same kind of sentiments of this movie the same, if it were remade today, there would be like several key differences in each of the personalities. And I just thought that that was an interesting thing to explore. So
1: I think in like modern teen movies, when you see clicks, a huge one that was left out, even though obviously this component is included in the movie, is like the stoners. So I feel like that <laughs> yeah. would be more lumped in with the criminal, but it's such a different type of person. Like yeah. if you inserted the stoner into this movie, they would not behave like Bender behaves. It's like
0: the shaggy of the group.
1: Yeah. That's a great exactly. point.
0: That's a great point.
3: Ooh,
1: oh, you did it.
2: I finished an entire bottle of wine tonight.
1: Is there anything else before I close out with some movie talking?
2: Do we answer your question,
0: Jordan? I think so. I don't quite remember, but I think so. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I yes, yes, I think we did.
1: Okay, so my last bit of notes is just kind of some commentary about the film and like themes in the film and stuff like that. One thing is just that I wanted to, um, I guess, reiterate what I believe you said in take two, Nick, about like how it's kind of them versus the man or like the system that was jordan but
2: yes Tarly. oh it was
1: jordan okay <laughs> jordan i want to bring up how you said that <laughs> and uh they kind of bring up how in the script even though bender is such an antagonist in the beginning and they're like constantly at odds with him the second that vernon walks in the room they're like instantly on his side
3: yep
0: yep
1: on on bender's side they so support it's, each like, other yeah even if they're not getting along it there's still this sense of like community and them versus the greater evil this i also thought was pretty cool they mention how the shots start to get more crowded as the film goes on so like for example when they're all sitting they're all kind of like separate so yeah claire and andy are at the same table but when they show them in frame they're typically all separate And then as the film goes on, they all start to get more and more together, like leading up to that group therapy shot we talked about, where there's all of them in one shot.
2: That's really cool.
1: Yeah, like showing how they're coming closer together.
2: Mm -hmm. And that explains why it's so hard to get a shot with the three people we want for the damn thumbnail. (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) exactly. Um, this is just kind of like a little symbolic thing, but I liked it. It was saying this is a movie that takes place in these same four walls for pretty much the whole thing. And it's a movie that's also talking about breaking down your walls.
2: Oh, that's so sweet. (laughs) I know, I thought
1: that was cute. Um, something I guess I just kind of wanted to get your opinion about because Judd Nelson was like very... Uh, passionate about this topic. And I agree with him. But I just thought it was a cool kind of like talking point. How do you guys feel about the scene where Allison gets a makeover?
0: I have thoughts.
1: Tell me your thoughts. I but have be thoughts. careful because Judd Nelson has very strong.
0: thoughts. Oh my god. So the thoughts that matter are really Allison's, to be honest. But yeah, I okay. Allison is this character. She is herself. She's this klepto she's this sort of darker character who kind of hides herself but then suddenly when she gets this makeover which by the way i thought this was really funny when i was watching the movie when Uh she was putting on her makeup like the mascara and the eyeliner nothing was coming off on on no it barely
1: it barely does anything when she's putting on the eyeliner i'm like bitch those are just her eyelashes. yeah like
0: what are you doing like you're not doing anything to her yeah but anyway she is beautiful when she like comes out of the transformation but it's like i really yeah. don't like that, that that's when andrew is suddenly like oh my god she's like exactly beautiful. yeah Definitely. i i i did that was the one problem i did have with like the ending scene i think yeah i think if she was sort of unapologetically herself that would have made that moment a little bit better but i yeah, I did I did have some some problems with that, but I'm I'm curious to know how you yeah. felt about that.
2: I understand like it being a special moment between the girls mm. and then leading into like a nice moment between her and Andy, but Yeah. You're right. I mean, like she's really the one that I think out of all of them represents being your true self and originality. Yeah. And yeah. for her to, I don't know, come out looking more like Claire than than she did you know, in the beginning. Um, (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Seems a little odd, but I don't know if this is something maybe that's just didn't age well too, you know? Um, You could see it as she might not have ever felt pretty and Claire was able to sort of maybe bring out some confidence in her.
3: Yeah. And
2: then she would have never been able to reciprocate those kinds of Mm
3: -hmm.
2: feelings because a lot of times what stops, you know, two people from being able to, together is that one of them doesn't have the confidence that they're worth the other person.
1: Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. I, well, I like what both of you said because they both kind of touch on things I wanted to say. So I'm actually going to start with Ali Sheedy commented on the scene and said that she really advocated for, okay, if we're going to do this makeover scene, I want it to be the removal of makeup rather than the putting on of makeup. So there's oh. like that line where she says, you know, you had all that black shit on your eyes, and when when they do have that moment of connection, he says, "I can see your face." Oh wow! And so oh, it's like, oh, I like
2: that. You're yeah, right.
1: and so I really like that because to me, it's like, yeah, it does kind of come across as like, "What the fuck, dude?" Like you didn't like me until now, but it. I like that he says that because it makes it more of. It's not that she changed who she was or anything. It's just that the her that was always there. Now he can kind of see it more clearly. And he already thought she was beautiful, you know, but now he's just like, damn, look at that face.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then the thing with Judd is just because they had like a whole interview where a bunch of people said like, oh, do you think she's a sellout? And there were some people on the mini doc, like people kind of um, like crew behind the scenes people who were like, yeah, she's a fucking sellout. Like. I felt offended because now she's not being herself. And Judd was very much like, that is not true. The scene is not about the makeover. The scene is about the connection between the girls, which is what you said, Nick. And he was like, the the lines that really sum it up for him and that I think are really important is when she says, why are you doing this? And she says, because you're letting me. And yeah. so it's like, it really has nothing to do, it does a little, of course, but it doesn't really have anything to do with the makeover. It's more just like writing in a scene where the girls can connect free yeah. of the boys at all Yep, and have that moment where it's like, they're just bonding. I God, that what a great point. Sweet.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, oh, love I love how love passionate
1: that. he is about it all these years later too. He's like, <laughs> fuck that. She's not a sellout. <laughs> <clears throat>
0: I think, I think then that kind of turns into like my main problem is maybe Andrew's reaction that like, oh, suddenly she has makeup now. Suddenly she's like the pretty yeah. girl. Now I'm attracted to her kind of thing. But, um, but yeah. no, I, I, that, that makes a lot of sense that I like that you brought that up. Thank you.
1: Yes. <laughs> okay. So here's my last little point and that'll kind of wrap up the movie. Cause it also ties into the end of the movie. This, like, blew my mind, and I feel like a bad fan if anyone listening is like, yeah, I fucking, I saw this, duh, you stupid. But I've seen this movie a a good amount of times, and I never thought about this, and I just was so happy that they brought it up in the commentary. So remember the scene that we talked about so much in Take Two, where they say, like, if you see us on Monday are you going to say hi to us, right? Yeah, yep. And Brian is like, well, I guess Allison and I are better people than you because, like, we wouldn't do that to you, right? Yeah. Do you know why that is hypocritical? Why? Because earlier in the film, Carl says hi to Brian and he pretends like he doesn't know him. Damn.
2: The janitor oh, is like,
1: hey, Brian, and Brian pretends like he doesn't know him.
2: Oh, my God, God you're right.
1: And I was like, my mind is blown.
2: <laughs> oh, my God.
1: <laughs> Isn't that great?
2: Wow, yeah. yeah. And
1: then it comes full circle because after they have that big discussion about how shitty that is, when they leave the school, he says bye to Carl. Oh, my Aww. God.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: Isn't that beautiful?
2: (laughs) That is.
1: (laughs) I was like, wow, how did I fucking miss that?
2: Oh, my God. That's really special. (laughs) I like that.
1: Yeah.
0: Also, a small note on Carl. I don't know. This came up in my research also, but he was also featured as like, I don't know if it was like best student or whatever. But when they're doing like the the intro in the beginning there's, like, a pan over, like, student of the year or something. And Carl is one of them. Yeah. And he oh, he's just a great character. They I must just,
1: have, like, a real high school picture of him because, yeah. like, that's him in the picture. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. And he has, like, he has hair right here, so. Yeah,
1: yeah. So that's the end of my notes. I'm glad that that shocked you. I was really worried that A, you were already going to know, or that B, you were going to pretend like you knew.
2: (laughs) No, not at all. No, no, we definitely, I definitely did not know that. Hell yeah. (laughs) Wow. uh, That was great. We might have uh, Kimmy's episode beat when it comes with to like the length.
1: longest episode ever.
2: Yeah. Well, cuz I know we've taken bathroom breaks, but uh this is um I'm we're at 4000 bars, whatever that means, and we weren't at 4000 bars with Kimmy's. Yeah. Kimmy's was like an hour and a half, so I wonder how long this one is. Can you tell Hello, Kayleen well? with whatever yeah, you're it's recording?
1: It's 2:13.
2: Fuck. <laughs>
1: <laughs> God damn it. Guys, we've Yay. been fucking around though. I'm telling you. <laughs> Sorry, Nick. <laughs>
2: Kayleen. Yes. We are so, so, so blessed to have you, to know you as an aunt, to know you as a friend, and to know you as a fellow podcaster. Thank you so much for coming (laughs) on uh, this podcast and sharing this movie with us. We love you very much. We love your sisters very much, and we thank all of you, I guess- This will be the concluding chapter in this little series that we are doing with the We Explain Movies aunties and uh, it's been amazing. All three movies have been amazing in very unique ways. And very different movies.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. And uh, movies that I feel like are pretty representative of each of you, too. I mean, I think (laughs)
1: in in the
2: best ways, at least um, your tastes in films. Like, I I really love all three of these movies, and I didn't know that I expected to love all of them, (laughs) and I actually do. So, um, yeah, thank you to you. Thank you to Kimmy. Thank you to Courtney. We love you guys, and um, we are extremely grateful that you graced us with your presence and your knowledge <laughs> and your candor.
1: Well, thank you for having me. I I have just been appreciating all the banter that has gotten cut from the podcast. <laughs> One of my favorite parts.
2: Watch, none of it's going to get cut. This episode is four hours long.
1: They're, yeah, right? They're like, wait, I don't... <laughs>
0: All three of you, I don't even care what Nick's opinion on this is, but all three of you are welcome anytime, obviously, if there's any movie that you want to guest no, star on. No,
2: uh, don't ask them back.
0: We're <laughs> yes. just getting rid of them. Nope, nope. Anytime,
2: you are welcome. This overrides Nick's opinion. No, of course. I mean, we're called Take Three, but there's two of us. If, you, if one of y'all just wants to jump ship and come <laughs> over here.
1: Just, like, have one of us on and don't even address it. (laughs) 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 Pretend like that's the usual.
2: (laughs) I love that. The collaborations that we have done have been some of the most enjoyable
1: Aww. experiences
2: mm-hmm. podcasting that we have had. <laughs> I'm excited that these episodes are going to come out. I'm really dreading editing all of them because <laughs> it's so long. I have two, like, multi-hour take threes to edit. Yes. But yeah, Kayleen, again, thank you so, so much. And uh, I can't wait to hear how the episodes turn out. If you guys... <laughs> are listening to us, uh, let us know how you feel about all three of these episodes.
1: And tell us which one of us three would win in a fight. Yes!
2: (laughs) Yes, 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 yes.
1: Who's the scrappiest?
2: (laughs) There's a point in the Promising Young Woman episode where Courtney was talking about how if you guys were like a crime-fighting trio, you liked the scissors. You liked the scissor comment, so you would have scissors.
1: Oh, from Promising Young Woman. Yeah.
2: I think Courtney yes. said she would have a taser and Kimmy would have a gun. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
1: oh yeah
2: (laughs) so I think Kimmy might win in that fight
1: (laughs) you know if she has bad aim I'm fucking fast I have those long legs (laughs) (laughs) hey guys Kayleen here to apologize for this episode being so long if you made it all the way here holy crap you must be a true take three fan Thanks again to Nick and Jordan for allowing me a platform to spread the love of 80s movies to all souls that will listen. They are the most supportive fellow podcasters and deserve all of your attention. But if you happen to have any attention left over, you can also listen to me and my best friends over at the podcast We Explain Movies. As mentioned in the previous two episodes of Take 3, you can find us on all podcast platforms and social media. If you're looking for a place to start, I recommend episodes on movies that maybe weren't so great as it gives us a lot to laugh about. There's our episode titled Ya Been Corned on Children of the Corn, Old Men Fascinate Me on The Intruder, and She Just Needs a Mother's Day card on The Curse of La Llorona. If any of those bring you joy, please express it with a rating, review, or a click of that subscribe button. Thanks again for listening to me ramble on and on, even as I finish this outro. Bye-bye.